sort of like stumbled on the hello. Oh, but, that's uh, where you did the beef. That yeah, that's the thing, but it, it felt wrong, the fact that I beefed myself. Yeah, that was kind of weird. And that, that sounds weird in itself, beefing oneself. Self? What would that even be? Is it like slapping yourself in the face of a steak, or... <laughs> would there be more to beefing yourself? Do we need to go into this now? Shouldn't you be doing an intro before we actually start out? <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Uh, okay, as you've probably guessed by now, this is another salad cast, Sans Dan. Um, so me and Zach will keep things operational while Dan is still in the depths of Scotland doing God knows what. <laughs> if you call this operational. Yeah, it's fine. See? I've, I haven't called it shitty so far. <laughs> sure so that's a good happen. sign. This is Dan. This is what we have instead of Dan. <laughs> Conveniently tied trains. Edit. Well, it's all going great so far. We've already had a catastrophic loss of networking at my place, and now we're resuming recording. Presumably the edit won't sound that bad. This, this is the first time we've had to do any of this shit. I don't know, it might sound pretty bad. <laughs> it's hard to say. It was funny on my end, because of course it took quite a long time for it to realise that I disconnected. So it just sounded like you'd somehow muted yourself or your microphone to come unplugged. So I was just like, what's going on? <laughs> I, I really I really hope some of the communication got through from my end, because it was like, Zeg? Zeg, you there? Oh shit. Shit. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's highly entertaining, apparently. Oh shit. I don't know. That could be amusing. It was nearly as good as you remember the early ones where it was just the early casts where it was just like lag. <laughs> yes, but we might still have to say that at some point. Lag. Depends whether or not your iPlayer household is uh, going to take over again. Yes. I do find that relatively fascinating that you know iPlayer has such a crippling effect on UK broadband. <laughs> yes, it's pretty terrible. Way too popular for its own good. I mean, it is awesome and stuff. Thank you, BBC. I mean, you're, it's the only way I can watch TV at the moment, having no aerial. They still fail, though. Do you see they've made that new version of it now again? Like, Oh, yeah, the slight redesign, where some of the old features are missing for some reason. Like, <laughs> yes, once again, it's like the classic... Make a new design, but then make it less functional than the previous one. Yeah, I mean, what's happened to the, the that handy little thing in the sidebar that's like you were last watching, so if you didn't finish something, it would remember exactly where you left off? Yeah. And why does it, like... Why is there four different panels that the top panel, panel can be? It's like, there's the features, and then there's, like, recommended for you, and then it's like, well, these other two... <laughs> Do we need these? Yeah. But are they like, I can't really remember those, are they marked as like coming soon or something? Or... And the worst thing about it is like, one of the things that I kind of want to watch on iPlayer is like, the random, they, they, for some reason, 
I'm not sure what the why this is, but there's some probably some ridiculous legal shit behind it. But it's like they're not allowed to put match of the day on there, but they are allowed to put match of the day two on there. So it's like you can get the get the football highlights of the Sunday games and the re highlights of what they showed on match of the day one. <laughs> Yeah, but then for some are, reason, I think you're right. I think there are some licensing bullshit around that, like for football anyway. Like where a channel buys the rights to be able to show football from a day or something. So Sky probably have that. Yeah, but then the the thing is, even though they're allowed, they are allowed to put match of the day two on there. For some reason, despite it being shown on Wednesday, I mean, it was shown on Sunday, it takes them until at least Wednesday to get it onto iPlayer. It's like, what exactly are you doing? <laughs> How could it take that long? There's a, Maybe um, that's legal company. something again. Maybe they're not allowed to show it for like three days after the day of the match or something. There, there's a company in Holland that can do... They have. They basically have an iPlayer type service. I think it's like it's got a very similar name to some services in England called like TV Catch-Up or something, which is awfully confusing for me. Um, <laughs> juggling between the names of these services that are all the same name. But... Um, <laughs> They, yeah, they 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 have this iPlayer type service, except it's ridiculous in the sense that when, as soon as a program goes off air, as in the moment it finishes, it automatically goes through a um, transcoding engine, or several of them, to put it on like uh, the internet and put it on d- available for iPhone and mobile devices and IPTV setups and all that kind of stuff. And in the majority of cases, all of that work is done automatically in two minutes. That's Fairly insane. Ridiculous. To transcode, like they'll, they'll, it'll even work on live broadcasts and stuff to a point. As in, it won't be live, but the moment the live thing goes off there, it will have a record. It will have a recording of that, and it'll just go transcode. And in two minutes, the entire live broadcast is is up. Obviously, depending on its length, but you know that's still pretty impressive. Hmm. That is pretty ridiculous. I'm just trying to think what kind of server farm they have to run that. Is it as good quality as iPlayer or whatever? I have no idea. Not not being a, a Dutch resident, I don't have access. To <laughs> well, you said that you had to like, you know, know about these things somewhat. It came up at a conference once, but <laughs> yeah, I was at a conference. <laughs> Check this me out. An excellent conversation. It's it's like we're talking about. Football and iPlayer, it's like, wow. Tech. Hello, international audience, you don't know what the fuck we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have they have announced that iPlayer will be available outside of the UK. Whatever that UK means. Residents. It's like iPlayer, but what about the programs? <laughs> well, yeah, this is the thing. Yeah. Well, the, uh, the, the current plan, as far as I know, is that if you live in America, you're still fucked, because you need to be like have some sort of uh, login or something so you can access it and say, yeah, I'm this person to get access to the program still. Whether that means like a login attached to your license or whatever, I don't know, but apparently they're doing it. I've always wondered why they don't attach any player to TV licenses. Well, I mean, they, they always, it's like they say, like, you're not allowed to watch live TV through iPlayer unless you have a license. Don't do it. But there's nothing to stop you from doing it. <laughs> yeah, there's absolutely nothing that they can possibly do. Watching it, if you, for, they, they could use, you know, the classic TV van stalker thing. If you didn't have yeah. a license, for instance, and watched iPlayer on your computer and stuff, then it'd be well within their rights. But even that's... I still think that's rude. And a pain in the ass. For them. Uh, yeah. To have to, like, have vans. 
driving around, looking at people. <laughs> Staring them in the eye through the windows. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Something like that. Speaking of which, the stalker noise, I mean. Because it features at one point during the, the thing I'm about to mention. It's really disappointing to hear that the Scott Pilgrim film is flopping badly. Really? Yeah, really badly. But you've already seen it twice? (laughs) Yeah, I've seen it twice, because I think it's amazing. And pretty much anyone I know who's seen it comes away thinking, yeah, that's pretty damn sweet. Um, Admittedly, they're probably all techie of mind, except for one, who enjoyed it anyway, which is saying something. And yeah, it hasn't. Uh, as far as I know, it hasn't made the money that it cost to make yet. <laughs> that's kind of poop. That's that's really bad. I mean, what does that say? I can't help but feel that they targeted the wrong audience, and that they targeted the right audience because it's my audience, and and I love it. However, we're probably because they've targeted the sort of techie generation, I guess, with all the video games and blog, it's probably going to be the most pirated film ever. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking, pretty much. The, the audience they guided to go see it have probably, like, already watched it online and through illegal means, so they didn't have to lis- listen to that Irish chick in British films going, oh, a small minority of the audience download films illegally. Thank you for coming and not damaging the industry. No, no, no. <laughs> But well, at least they also made a game. I guess that makes some money. Well, yeah, the game, conversely, is doing really bloody well. Maybe that'll make it's, up for it. It's <laughs> topping the PSN charts at the moment. Yeah, but what else then is there again, on PSN, really? Yeah, that's a very good point. There's not really much much else to say, really, about PSN at the moment. I can't really remember many. Oh, Earthworm Jim, I think, is it's one of its competitors. <laughs> a game again, that doesn't really say Heather Aitken. Yeah. However, we should probably talk about that because we've purchased and been playing Scott Pilgrim vs. the World the game the review (laughs) (laughs) Too many does I bet bet someone in some magazine or internet site somewhere did that Yeah, probably It's just asking for it, isn't it? Scott Pilgrim vs. the World the game the review The exclusive The not exclusive. The late. The belated. Ours will be the belated. <laughs> <laughs> because we're always behind. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we've been playing it, and my view is it's totally freaking sweet. It's like I never really got on with like the whole, uh, you know, double dragon aside, because that was a laugh. Um, I never <laughs> didn't really get on with many of the sort of side scrolling beat em up games of when they were popular. Somehow I don't think. We would like Double Dragon as much as we did at the time. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> because it's like every time I, well, the, th- the thing is, I don't think I've ever managed to get a hold of or play the Atari ST version that we had that we played. Yeah. It's like it's always like some you know other console. It's like this is an hour. Remember it, but then it probably was quite was quite a lot like this. I'm just not remembering it very well. <laughs> Yeah, the problem is, I suppose we're exposed to a lot of media about Double Dragon because it gets does get referenced a lot, and it was it, it was a different game. Probably, yeah, different we're probably systems. seeing the better versions or the uh, the arcade version rather than the ST version, which must be considerably toned down. I don't know the ST version. I, it's like every time I see someone. I mean, obviously that was 
this the one we had was like Double Dragon 2, wasn't it? Or was it Double Dragon? I can never remember. I can't remember either. I know you had to. No. <laughs> See, that, that's the I first problem. I think it's the first game because it end, I think it was Double Dragon One because it ended in similar fashion. If because if it was Double Dragon Two, it ended the same way as Double Dragon One. We have to fight off for, for the hoe. Yeah, but that wasn't this. You know, this was the age when games did that. <laughs> it's just like the exact same game. Yeah, just pretty much. Two better graphics. But yeah, it's like so. It's like it's, I'm bad enough that I don't even know which of those games it was. <laughs> but the SD versions of various games are always like. Strangely different, and then they maybe it's just me because you know I had an ST and everything. It was like they always seem better. It's like I preferred the the ST version of the Bubble Bubble music to the Amiga one, even yeah. though it was worse quality, technically speaking. It had shittier instruments and everything. It just sounded more. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, to a point, they added like slightly toneful bass on the Amiga version. Did they like they made it fat? <laughs> yeah. Was, that was, was a... a bit more heavy. But yeah, yeah, double drag. Yeah, as I say, going back to my original point, I always, yeah. I never really got into these sort of side-scrolling beat 'em ups. Like, I was never a big Streets of Rage fan, and playing it again now as part of the Sega Mega Drive Ultimate Collection on Xbox 360, I still don't really get on of it. Or, what was it, Alien Breed, I think was another one, where it's basically Streets of Rage, but you're having... For some reason, you use guns that can only fire about two feet in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> Which is ridiculous. Oh, and a laser-whipping robot, I think, is one of the options. Um, but, yeah, I didn't really get into them. Other than Fighting Force, because that was freaking hilarious. Fighting Force wasn't really side-scrolling, was it? No, it was kind of a, it was sort of side scrolling, but it was like an early attempt at doing it in 3D. So you could move into the foreground and background and had rotation and blah. Oh, yeah, that, was... I'm, I'm thinking, oh, no, wait, I'm thinking of Freedom Force. That's, this is slightly different. Oh, yeah, that's quite a lot different. That's an RTS, <laughs> isn't it? Well, I don't know what the fuck Freedom Force was, really. <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> you didn't like it? I don't remember. No, it was kind of awesome, in a way. Like, Freedom Force had that stupid thing where it's like, you could destroy practically all the buildings in the cityscape, and it's like, it totaled up the damage and everything at the end of the round, end of the map or whatever. You could make buildings collapse, and everything explode. It was weird. Weird. What was I saying? (laughs) You were talking about fighting force. Yes, oh yeah, Fighting Force, that was amazing. I liked that. Um, but, yeah, it was never really done again after they tried that. Maybe they've, probably, I don't think it sold very well, probably with good reason, because it was a bit retarded, but it, it was it was good fun. Um, it didn't really make a name for itself, so I assume no one really tried it again to do, like, beat-em-ups like that. And it kind of died a death until, like, Castle Crashes, I guess. Yeah. Which that brought it all back, and was awesome. <laughs> Um, and our Scott Pilgrim is basically Castle Crash has been in a completely different guise and still awesome it seems to work it seems to be somewhat easier to make contact with people than Castle Crash <laughs> yeah. you have to be quite so precisely in line although you do have to be pretty precise for resurrecting people yeah it's a bit inconsistent isn't it You can, you can, can. it's quite generous with you being 
Um, uh, we're talking about the uh, just just to clarify this in these side-scrolling 2D beat 'em ups. They they always try to do the concept of depth, like so you move in and out of the plane, but it's always a bit hard to judge whether or not you're at the same level as the opponent. And Scott Pilgrim is fairly lenient with that, in that you know you can beat people up from quite a reasonable depth distance away, but. Uh, Castle Crashes is the alternative, which is pretty damn harsh. Except for when it comes to res- yeah, re- reviving people, as you're right, where it gets fucking harsh, doesn't it? You can be standing there just going, block, 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 block. It's like, no, no, fuck. I've got to move a tiny amount. Oh, no, I moved too far. Fuck, go back. Oh, fuck, he's dead. Yes. Quite difficult to pull off sometimes. Sometimes it's, you don't even notice. It's just like, oh, shit, I'm blocking. Um <laughs> <laughs> watching the enemies to make sure they don't own you. Well, it's also that also happens quite a lot when it's like two people both go for the res at the same time, but you don't really yeah, yeah. realise which one of you is actually doing it. We are both still pushing the button. <laughs> I suppose you could argue that is half the problem of Scott Pilgrim's design, you know, because they're, they're using the fact that, that the modern machines could throw a lot more around than beat 'em ups back in the day, where it struggled to throw like four enemies around. <laughs> Um, so they fill the screen with stuff, and in four, in, well, we, we haven't played it in four-player mode, but in three-player mode, it can get pretty fucking difficult to see what's going on. <laughs> well, surely there can't be many more enemies than that in four-player. <laughs> well, let's hope not, but maybe they get hardier, but I think it basically multiplies the number of enemies, doesn't it? Like, know. the number of guys that come on the side of the screen throwing baseballs at you in the first level definitely goes up. Because suddenly an onslaught of baseballs comes on the screen. <laughs> it is funny though. I do like how you can casually, accidentally beat beat up members of your own team and chuck them about and stuff. That's hilarious. Because you don't really have much control of that. It just sort of happens. Well, it's the, the worst. Well, not really the worst one, but the one that always seems to happen entirely accidentally. Because it's like you can like chuck an object and hit someone. That, and you sort of maybe could avoid doing that most of the time <laughs> by yeah. just like slightly looking ahead of where you're throwing. But then the worst, the the one that happens a lot randomly is the one where you could actually like throw your teammates sort of as an attack once you get the judo throw move. Yeah, well, because it normally you throw enemies, where it's like it's you can throw them that, from like... standing. So yeah, sometimes you chuck them, sometimes you pick them up and start hitting enemies over the head with their face. Well, that's if they're already on the floor, though. <laughs> yeah, no, but it happens. Sometimes, most of the time, it's accidental. You're like, fuck. And then if you throw them, you actually end up hurting them. <laughs> yeah. So you have to, like, just wait for them to jump out of it or, you know, beat them. You, you use, use them to beat people down with. Because <laughs> for some reason, that doesn't hurt them. But... <laughs> It is genius. It probably, maybe you know. There's, I know there's extra modes and stuff we haven't got to yet because we haven't finished the final level. But it probably could have done a tiny bit more length because Castle Crashes is probably just right, isn't it? Because it's quite long, but um, doesn't really get, you know, doesn't really get stale. Throughout its length, it changes and changes enough. Where Scott Pilgrim feels possibly a little too short, and they don't do enough variation. I think, <laughs> my taste. I think some of the problem is we don't actually know how long most of the levels are because we're always going through the shortcuts. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. We do take some of the shortcuts, but 
we don't think there's much more to them. And some levels you have to take the cuts because that's how you get through. Like, well, yeah, but then you can't really through. tell which ones are shortcuts and which ones are the ones that you have to take until you've gone through them to know yes. that it's like, oh, the screen stops scrolling here. <laughs> yes. I hope those dings didn't just come out because I was just raising your volume. <laughs> I didn't hear anything, so it might be okay. That's good, that's good. We are ding-free. But yeah, I don't know. There's something about the, that, the Scott Pilgrim game that has a feel-good factor to it. It's probably just the, all the awesome chip music. <laughs> well, I think that's pretty much why I like it. It's just like, I like it, but it's like, I have absolutely no knowledge of the background. Even, not even the movie, because I haven't even seen that. So it's just like, I just like it because it's pixel art and chip tunes. Fuck yes. <laughs> that's all I need. <laughs> it, is, it is very cool, isn't it? The, the, art, the, the art is... Really well. I mean, some of the smoother animations of like the char- you know, the classic video game um, pose jiggle, they've done that. I, I, I was sort of thinking to myself the other day, looking at it, it's like, damn, that must be really hard to do in pixel art because you have to sort of work out which bits to move and which not to, and and to actually make it look like a smooth motion in limited range and keep it sharp must be pretty hard. <laughs> oh, is that actually, and, and most I... of the pixel art is done by one guy as well, so that's quite impressive. Yeah, I like downloaded a couple of them because he posted like some of these animations on his blog, and I was like, "Oh, I can save those, ingenious." But it's like they are, even though they look really smooth, you don't really notice how few frames they are, even. Yeah, sometimes that's something they, they've used the classic cheat sometimes of like having a uh, a single frame with motion blur in it. If you see what I mean, like um. There's bits where you're swinging some of the weapons, where you see that classic moment where you see the weapon several times in the in the blur. Um, I call, I, you know, I think of Golden Axe when I see that because I remember the axe and swords doing that effect in it. Because that those games had really fucking little animation; they were just like a walking animation was like three frames, <laughs> <laughs> if that. <laughs> they were bad. I'm just, just going to open this and see what it says. It's like the. Basically, the running animation is only eight frames. So if you think about that in terms of like each step, because obviously you've got like left foot and then right foot and the arms, so that's only yeah. four frames per step. Yeah, it's still pretty pretty good looking though, isn't it? It's it's strange. Yeah, it's pretty weird. It's something about yeah, and not all animations are as smooth as others though. I mean that's quite noticeable. Some animations definitely have more. As I say, the post, uh, the reason why I picked out the uh, um, sort of pose jiggle is because that looks considerably smoother than the other animations, or like the idle animations of the other characters look good, but the attack stuff is a bit sort of is a bit is a little less smooth. Maybe because they want to enforce the impact or something, so it holds the pose better. I don't know, but I think it's. I think it might just be that it's like it's all set frame rate, so it's like every, so when you're doing like a fast attack, obviously you've got less frames to put it into. I guess, and I suppose when you, when your character speeds up, the frame rate goes up anyway <laughs> of, the, of the animations, so it's uh, kind of mitigates that a little bit. Yeah. Yes, very very sharp and awesome looking game, really. Although I just can't help but notice. Um, uh, I'd saved from bringing this up while we were playing it because it, it did strike me as a little odd. What the shit is up with all the female boobs? <laughs> what the jiggle? 
like a really excessive jiggle. <laughs> maybe maybe that's a play on Dead or Alive or something intentional, but it just looks totally weird. Not, it doesn't happen that often. There's only like four, four times. There's only like yeah, four well, moons. Yeah, a few of the idol characters and shop owners, isn't it, that have, have the insane jiggle. Maybe maybe there's like they they fly off like in that control alt delete sketch. I don't know. <laughs> and the uh, the nice references to uh, video gaming icons in the shops, <laughs> like Speedy Porcupine. Yes. And what was it? Never ending fantasy. <laughs> yes. Bionic arm. Yeah. Very cool. Go buy. Do it now. Support support the game, even if you don't support the film, you bastards. <laughs> and then it'll be even out. I wonder if it'll make up for it in Blu-ray sales. Well, because there have there there's, there's, there have been a few things that have bombed at the cinema, but then I've made a lot of money in Blu-ray. But then again, as we said, pirates. And well, you don't yeah. you, do, you don't exactly. It's like you you know that if there's going to be like some kind of recorded in a cinema shitty cam video. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. But then it's obviously when they can get into the Blu-ray where it's like, ah, oh, now we can actually riff it, that would be yeah, the one that every, all the pirates are waiting for. <laughs> Far too easy to do Blu-ray ripping. Far too easy. From From what I've heard. I don't do it, just for the record, I seriously don't do it myself. I don't have that kind of time or arsedness. But <laughs> or a Blu-ray drive. No, or a Blu-ray drive. That's quite important. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I I know people that. Well, actually, I say I know people. We've tried it at work um, purely because we've had material we're, we've been allowed to use for this broadcasting convention, and um, yeah, it's it's ludicrously fast and easy to do if you're just doing a straight rip. Presumably transcoding it into something you could send over the internet must take a, a, a fair amount of time. <laughs> yeah, that must be some fair old compression. I mean, I do a, um, um, I've been working on like um, um, HD 3D videos at work, and on a what is a fairly aging dual core system, um, it take you know it's it's not massively new, but it's not incredibly old either. It takes um, a good hour and a half to process six minutes of this footage, and, and that's converting it to H.264, which is basically what Blu-ray is. And it's a, uh, yeah, it takes freaking ages. So do, do pirates really like just set this off and leave it for like a week? <laughs> don't know, they seem to do it like on the day or whatever. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't. Unless they just have ridiculous rigs or clusters. Maybe. <laughs> Something funny about the sound of a pirate cluster. <laughs> maybe you can. Could you, could you maybe even do it by distributed file? Where it's just like send chunks of the file to different people. I suppose you and could. And then recompile it. But then maybe the sending of the files takes longer than the. Unless Depends how many people you're on. sending it to, I guess. Depends how big a network you could have. Well, so, yeah, sending it over the internet would probably take longer than the, the transcode. But raw Blu-ray, I mean, what, we're talking up to 60 gigs worth? 
That one really, it doesn't take that long. It's like 60 games isn't that much any longer, relatively speaking. Still looking at, well, I don't know, on average UK broadband speeds to download like a game or something, you're still probably talking, what, 12 hours, maybe more? For, the, oh. for a complete download. No, maybe you're right, maybe that is feasible. We shouldn't be giving people ideas. <laughs> Probably not. We do not condone piracy in any way, shape, or form. We are above that. You mean endorse? We do not. Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Good I'm gonna, get... I'm gonna get quoted on that now. <laughs> yes, I do. Just for the record, we do not endorse piracy. That's that's right. Yes. <laughs> that was a waste. Knew that was going to happen. <laughs> like my accidental racism. <laughs> Apologies. We don't mean it. And this is an argument that comes on, you know, the, the anti-piracy adverts you get. So the people that actually pay for it and have done a good job get reminded that it's a good idea not to. <laughs> not to be a pirate and stuff. And it's like, what exactly have you paid for? Oh, an extra four minutes of adverts. Damn it! <laughs> Get to the presentation. Four minutes of occasionally hilarious. It's like, well, yeah, take the piss out great. of it. And there's mysteriously explosive discs. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of, like, just branding them with his hot eye and they, they explode. How is that possible? Well, you tell me, they, Mr. Are, Pirate. they are made of, like, you know, plastic or something. Especially if you heated them up really fast, they'd shatter. In a fireball. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, the other interesting thing about that ad is, is, is you don't really notice it, but I've started picking up on it, is that while they're reading out all the information at the end for the number to dial and then sort of, like, give you a few alternatives, if you're in Australia, you might need to dial this number instead, or if you're in the Republic of Ireland, because the Republic of Ireland, for some reason, comes after Australia. No, no, I'm not sure that's right. Um, they, yeah, they could go through this these lists of numbers, but in the background, there's just this constant, ominous tone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Scary. <laughs> so anyway, yes, piracy. Whoop whoop. Whoop <laughs> whoop. No, I'm I'm only whooping it because it gave us something to talk about for about ten minutes. Sweet. Um, yeah. Bastards. Because we totally don't have anything else to talk about. Actually, on a similar note, there was a mandatory firmware update that supposedly fixes the whole PS3 piracy thing. (laughs) Supposedly. PS jailbreak, or whatever it's called, no longer works. Some period. And and if you don't get the new firmware update, you can still continue to hack your PlayStation, but you'll no longer have access to PSN. Naturally. The usual. Unless someone comes up with a way of dual-booting the PlayStation. He's nice, you can download Scott Pilgrim, bitches. <laughs> well, yes, but... But then you can get it on Xbox instead. Well, that's also true. <laughs> download Scott Pilgrim. Woo. I did have a go at a few other live arcade titles. 
Like I tried Monday Night Combat, which got released a few weeks back as part of the summer of arcade thing. It's a bit fucking weird. It's trying to cash in on the old class-based multiplayer thing that Team Fortress started. Yeah. And uh, with a sort of camp, sort of sporting, Unreal-style aesthetic. Except real sort of game show style. Uh, and it's it seems to hit all the right buttons until you play the game. And it doesn't seem to work that well. As far as I can tell, it's basically just every game is a bit of a walkover. And there's no real balance between sides. So there's no real push and shove and the game's over far too quickly and I don't know what the fuck's going on. And Maybe it's just me being a bit new to it, but I, I don't know. I didn't really get it. I didn't see how it was balanced or worked. I like what they were going for. It just mm, doesn't work for me. Can't beat Team Fortress. <laughs> well, yeah, probably. And I haven't really looked up anything about this Brink game that's supposedly coming out because that appears to be a similar sort of affair. Or, well, I say a similar sort of affair in that it's class-based, but it doesn't seem to. That they they say they're breaking the rules somewhat and blending genres in that. Epic landslide of buzzwords. <laughs> that's also meant to have more of an actual single player as well, isn't it? I don't know. I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> well, that's good. Between the two of us, we really don't know anything. Okay, then. Let's move on. Um... Wait, I was, I was just going to have a quick look to see if I can see when it comes out. Or whether it is out. Pretty Does soon, it isn't out? it? I'm looking on Steam, because I've seen it on there a few times. Yeah. Pre-order bonuses and all that. Well, this is odd. It's not in new releases, and it also doesn't seem to be coming soon. And oh, no, wait, there's wait, there's three pages of coming soon now. Jesus. No, it doesn't have a date. Okay then. <laughs> okay, so it can't be. Maybe it's not that soon then. After all, something that is soon though. Halo Reach is out next week. Yes. Yeah. Um, we'll have to play that. You know, I'm I'm not sure whether I'll get it immediately though. <laughs> And this is a bit of a weird one for me because I'm I'm, in, I'm very much in two minds for it because I'm quite excited and we normally play it in co-op and do it quite excessively and it's quite good quite good fun. Um, however, with all of the Halo games so far that have had a limited edition, I've made sure I got the limited edition version. And this time, it's taking the piss somewhat because it's fifty-five quid. But what more do you get? Fuck all, basically. <laughs> it's, um, you get, well, you get the class, I say you get fuck all, you never really get much in the actual game, but you get, like, stupid little memorabilia and stuff. And sometimes it's really cool. Like, I quite liked Gears of War's art books that they come with, and sort of concept books and things. They were actually really cool, because they sort of show off the graphic design of the game, which is pretty amazing. And that the Halo 2 limited edition admittedly was fairly weak because all it really had was the shiny box and um, the the game manual was written from the perspective of the Covenant rather than from Master Chief which was <laughs> yeah. quite interesting um, it was interesting but really dumb, it did come with like a making of DVD but that was pretty shit um, it did have actually, no, the only thing I remember about that DVD that I, that was actually good was this interesting bit where they, they showed some of the um, cinematics, like 
in, in concept phase. So they had like um, no textures or whatever, and no animations, and they just sort of like looked like they were moving models of arbiters and grunts around, and it looked really funny. <laughs> like it was, I think it was, yeah, it was one of the scenes that was wasn't included in the game in the end, and they had someone being thrown off a cliff. Except you can imagine they weren't, that none of the limbs were animated, so it just looked like a figure sort of rotating in the air and then falling down, bad Gary mod <laughs> style. It would have been funny if it had been like not even models, but like drawing board style, just like cut out and like pop <laughs> yeah. into the dots on the screen. Something <laughs> awesome. That's how fuck. Yeah, except with even less animation than that. <laughs> Rog. <laughs> and and terrible voiceovers, that'd be pretty yeah. cool as well. Rog. Oh no, I'm dying. Blech. Yeah, so some limited editions. I, as I say, I don't mind the Gears of War ones. So okay, you don't really get, as I say, much with them, but the sort of little trinkets in the box are kind of cool. And uh, I don't know, I, I found that the, the Gears of War 2 was all about um, Dom's story about his wife or whatever, basically, for the majority of the game. You get this little... You get a, like a, a version of the photo he carries around with him. Joy. Yeah, com- completely pointless, but I don't know, I kind of liked that. And, the, and the, the, the tin was cool and stuff like that. As far as I can tell, in Halo 3, what, sorry, in Halo Reach, all they've done is, Halo 3 wasn't much to shout about as well, they just gave you an extra disc, um, another what making of thing. The creature but, book thing? Uh, no, that might have been 3. What was it? I don't know. Yeah, I think that was 3, the creature guide. Um, Halo 3, that was, that was alright, actually, as an extra. Um, Halo Reach has an interesting concept art book, which might be okay, but it looks a bit rough and ready and sort of has some backstory which you don't like get from the game, apparently. Which is fine, except for the fact I might look at it and then go, um, okay, this probably spoils some elements of the game that I haven't yet played. Um, <laughs> well, don't look at it first, Ben! Yeah, I know, but you want to. You want to do all stuff. And there's some other pieces of... There's like a UNSC badge. You know, physical badge, like a scout badge. You can attach to some combat clothing that you may or may not have. <laughs> there's a, uh, um, that doesn't make any the, sense anyway, because if it was an actual UNSC badge, it would have to be made of metal and then welded onto your armour. <laughs> <laughs> well, not one for Master Chief, probably one for the Marines, I guess. Oh, but the Marines are a kind of armour, don't they? They don't really wear just cloth. Well, I don't know, it might be sort of cloth coated over something, because it doesn't look like metal, really. No. Kevlar? Really big yeah. Kevlar? Something along those lines, probably. Some, or maybe it's like the, off, know, the, off, the off-duty wear or something. You know, like the white suits they wear occasionally. I guess. Ceremonial. But anyway, actually, I suppose thinking about it, it's not that bad for a limited edition. However, it is £10 more than the most limited editions that I've bought. You know, the Gears of War 2... Oh, Halo 3 and... was only like 45. Yeah, seriously. That doesn't seem like la- <laughs> and, and, the, and the Gears of War games on launch, I picked up for 45 quid. This one's 55. And it doesn't cut... As far as I know, the, t- it's, the, the box isn't even a tin. It's like just a big cardboard box with some foam um, in, the, in the shape of something. And, you know, it's a bit bigger than normal. In the shape of something? But... Well, it, it's actually in the, in the shape, it's supposedly in the shape of an Oni storage can- canister or something. 
presumably that's important to the game world. I don't know. Well, what, it's like, what sort of storage canister are we talking? It's not like a tube or something. <laughs> no, it's like a little crate. It's like made of a bluish sort of metal. Well, you know, when you say crate, are we talking like nearly cube sized? Like it's as long as it is wide or something? <laughs> it's a bit more. It's a bit more cubic. Yeah, it's it's you open it vertically. I think so you have to set it down and then lift the top half off. All oh, right, that kind. Yeah. Like that sounds box. kind of ridiculous. It, it does. Sound, I suppose I'd like to see one, or maybe the the retail stores will be selling it cheaper. But online, I've only seen it. At, 55, which, I don't know, a bit of me shouts that's too much for a game. Wasn't Oni in ODST? The woman yeah, it gets mentioned in the like... Halo-verse a little bit. It's a, and it's obviously a reference to Bungie's early game of the same name, but... Oh, yeah. Wasn't she... She wasn't, like, Oni or something, wasn't she? Wasn't yeah, it? she was Oni, I think. And then... Some secret organisation, <laughs> obviously. I never actually. I, I think my brother owned it, but I never actually played it. Which is a shame because it looked quite good. And I seem to remember it being pretty good anyway. Bungie, I expect it to be good. <laughs> I was watching some um, interesting videos about the uh, Easter eggs and stuff you can find in Halo Three. Yeah. Such as the Lonesome Man. Uh, yeah, you... <laughs> yes. Oh, what's hilarious? <laughs> we because we we found by accident that like monkey family, didn't we? Oh yeah, that's quite an easy one to find though. Yeah, relatively speaking. Especially if you sort of real when you realise you have to go finding the skulls and stuff, you start exper- exploring the levels um, to a degree, don't you? And then yeah. Although some of the things I expect you to do to get those are pretty ridiculous. <laughs> like without without the online guides, and we still haven't got all of them because some of them just sound insane. And all well, it's because we can't be asked to, to play the last level long enough to get to the Halo rings and then jump through them in that specific order. <laughs> yeah, that's just way too much effort. And there are some, well, there are some that are just irritating, aren't they? Like, oh, you need a vehicle for this bit. You need to wedge it into this bit of thing so you can then jump on it and then get to. It. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily irritating. That's sort of well, yeah. But if you don't have a that's vehicle, that's sort of at that obvious. Point, kind it's of just kind of like, oh fuck! Well, I'm screwed now, aren't I? I'm going to have to start the whole level again. <laughs> well, yeah, it's annoying, but it is sort of obvious, sort of exploration technique of like, if you want to get to a higher platform, you need to wedge something there so you can jump off it. <laughs> yeah, but doesn't it just immediate assumption? Like, and it's like, oh, it looks like I'm not supposed to go up there. There can't be anything there. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's just... Don't be wrong, I think it's cool that they put all this stuff in, but perhaps they're asking a bit too much of regular Joe gamers like you or I that don't have the time to fuck about for hours in levels. Well, I mean, it's fine to hide them somewhere that's, like, maybe not entirely... It might have been easier if they only just, like, make it so you had to, like, melee a box across the room and then jump on top of that or something rather than a vehicle, because that's rather more specific and, like, because it's not in the area, you know, yeah. you have to bring it from somewhere else. Yeah, no, like, no, you're right, I wouldn't mind something like that, where, you, where it's, there's a, there's a cubby hole that looks semi-suspicious and there are some objects you might be able to use. That I'm, yeah. that I'm okay with, because it's not immediately it, obvious, and at the same time it's... 
It's like, no one, how, how did anyone ever work out where it's like, oh, these, these rings when you jump through them, they play a musical date. Well, let's just try playing random tunes with it and <laughs> see if something happens. Yeah. <laughs> probably they didn't work out. They probably just, like, you know, hacked the game and then saw the code or whatever. There, there are a couple as well, aren't they, where they, 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 there are some weird ones where if you stand listening to a radio for long enough, it starts playing music from Marathon and <laughs> things like that. Or if you... Or even the, the lonesome man that I mentioned. In order to get to it, you have to make an awkward grenade jump onto a uh, onto a rung, uh, a singular rung in a, in a uh, four-runner complex, and then from there do an awkward jump on jump onto a ledge that leads into a completely black area. So the only way you can view it is using your torch. Well, they did. They kind of did that in like Half-Life Two, didn't they? Did they? Yeah, with that vortigon in the sewer pipe. Where after you fight the helicopter on the lake, you have to drive the airboat up against the wall and then jump on top of the airboat to get into this sewer pipe that, that that's open on the side of the map. And then you then you have to be on like quite a lot of health because it's toxic fluid in the bottom of the sewer pipe that you have to run through. So you have to run all the way in there, and then there's like a random vortigum frying some headcrabs over a fire, and then he basically does a whole lot of talking that's always like exposition about like the backstory. Oh yeah, no, I remember that actually. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I caught up with you at the frying head crabs thing. <laughs> that was sort of the same, except that again, that's like you had the airboat at that point anyway, so it wasn't really. You didn't have to bring it from somewhere else. No. Not massively difficult to find, but that's fine. I'm okay with that. That's kind of cool. I don't know. Make it a bit easier. Easter eggs are awesome. <laughs> But make them yeah. easier. Just a bit. This, the, well, uh, yeah, the one about the rings that you mentioned is extra annoying because you had to do that to get the skulls, which are things you know about and have to get. Yeah. You know, they shouldn't be that hard. The Easter egg stuff, yeah, okay, make that difficult. That's not so bad, but. Well, to a point. I still think the Lonesome Man would is pretty obscure, but. And getting all the like, even the things that aren't actually Easter eggs, like getting all the recordings in ODST. That's just like they made. It's like there's a lot of them. Jesus, there's a fuck ton of them. Yeah, sort of, we still haven't tackled that, have we? And it takes bloody ages, doesn't it? Because you have to. When, when, it's like when... it's because we don't actually know the mechanics of it. It's like we don't know yeah. what causes new ones to appear or whatever. It's sort of awkward. Like yeah, certain parts of the story, we're not sure if certain bits of the city sort of open up as you progress through the story missions. And obviously, there are certain points where you get to a point and the city closes off. So you've got to not go past a certain point, otherwise you're buggered. Yeah, we we roamed around a lot. <laughs> yeah, and we're still only just over halfway. But anyway, yeah, that's the only thing putting me off at the moment, because I want the limited edition. I'm not going to go for the prestige edition, or whatever the fuck, legendary edition, that's it. Because what was it, for Halo 3 you got that fucking head. <laughs> yes. Although I have to admit, they've been a bit more stylish with it this time. Again, it comes in a slightly bigger version of this canister, I think. <laughs> so it's like, they haven't really maxed out on the box. But it comes with this fairly cool-looking um, sort of figure. Of like or you know diorama type thing I don't know what do you call it like a statuey type thing of the of the, the characters from the game, mm. which is which is actually pretty cool. 
I didn't look up the price of the legendary edition there, but it'd have probably, probably a little bit more than a statue, I think. But... Then again, if it's done well, I suppose those statue things can be pretty darn expensive. <laughs> yeah, but it's not. It's not like it's like. It's not really going to be a collector's item or anything. <laughs> and it's like. It, it depends how few of them they make, I guess. Well, yeah, but this limitedness is. <laughs> it's just like seriously. Is that ever going to matter? <laughs> it's like, is anyone ever going to really care that there was like all these statues? They only made some number of them at some point, but they're just like a plus, uh, you know, a molded statue thing that you know, it's not an uncommon thing for people to have. I guess not. But they are, yeah. You, you look at these things, and sometimes you can't quite work out why they're so expensive. But there are some good ones. Was it first? The stuff on first for figures, for instance, crazy expensive. And some of them are pretty damn cool. But you have to be mad. Train's gonna be loud. <laughs> you know that, reminds, that, that that train actually reminds me of the sort of horror noise they they use to sort of build suspense or something. Maybe that's a bit too long, but you know that sort of, that sort of rusty metal sound. Yes, at least it wasn't the resonance train. <laughs> resonance. There's always one train, one goods train that comes past at like three a.m. Which must be like it, they, I think they must do it deliberately, where they just like only send it out incredibly late at night because it must be some like skanky old old ass, you know, getting old kind of engine because it it has a very precise resonance that just causes everything to vibrate even more than usual. <laughs> it's like oh, it's the three AM vibro train. God damn it! <laughs> the vibro train. Yeah. So they try and sneak it out while everyone's asleep. <laughs> Causing structural damage. You know, the more I think about this Halo Reach Limited Edition, the more I actually want it. <laughs> probably, and will probably sort of succumb. Simply because, well, if I don't get it, then it will probably sell out and blah, it might be a bit hard to get hold of. Except for the fact that I know for a fact I'll be able to get hold of it again. But do you want a. I, there's always that slightly worth. Well, if I buy a second-hand limited edition, will it have the shit in it, or will some of them just sort of kept bits of it, or got a coffee stain on it, or something? Or the whole point of getting a limited edition, I suppose, is because you get the pristine extras, and if it's gone through a second set of hands, it might be less awesome. <laughs> I don't know. I probably will. I do get six percent cash back though off play.com so I might do it that way seriously if you haven't in, in like I got introduced to this this week and this is this is a pretty awesome service actually uh, called Quidco where you're just you going to be advertising sign. now <laughs> yeah but no basically yeah I am because it's amazing um, um, my car insurance has come up for renewal admittedly this doesn't apply to everyone um, like you I mean by that um, <laughs> um, the um uh, yeah, and basically, if, uh, you do your shopping in the normal way or something. You you know if if you, like you go to compare the market or whatever, I and mean, you can do that via Quidco as well and get fifty p added to your account. Um, so you get your go, you go to compare the market, you get your quote, you get fifty p added to your, your account. Wait, um, that's your start, and then you take their recommendation. And if their recommendation is also listed on Quidco, you then go 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 get your insurance 
via Quidco to that insurer, and you get the about the same price, blah blah blah. But then you'll also get like fifty quid cash back. <laughs> so basically, I've I've used Compare the Market. I've got like the quote I want from Hastings Direct. It seems like the best I could possibly get, and Hastings Direct are on Quidco, so I'm going to get fifty quid cash back on my quote, and that's like awesome. And like there are lots of other things. So for instance, Play.com offer up to six percent. I think it's like actually I say it's up to six percent from Play.com. So I think games and stuff you get like four percent back. And at Game.co.uk or whatever it's called, you know the actual game store, um, yeah. you get you get six percent on software stuff like that. So it's actually like money for nothing. If, if it's a purchase you were going to make anyway, try it through Quidco first and see what happens. <laughs> Genius. It's, it sounds amazing. I'm, I'm new to it, so I don't know quite how it will go, but the service, it sounds way too good to be true. Basically, the only drawback, and then this is the way Quidco make their money, is out of the cashback incentives, if you make any money, £5 of that, of, of the money you've already got back out of them, um, you pay them in it annually. So as long as you're making more than five pounds worth of cash back via the website, you're still up. <laughs> Pride. I'm not entirely sure this is sustainable from their point of view because that doesn't sound like a lot, <laughs> unless unless they're getting quite a lot of benefit from, you know, as well as the fifty quid cash. But maybe the fifty quid cash back comes out of their the uh, referral fee or something for the companies they've got listed. So maybe the referral fee or something for an insurance quote or something was £100, so for them it's like, oh, £50 cash back? Yeah, no problem. That just comes out of our profits, but yeah, hell, we still made 50 quid. I don't know. could be something like that. I don't know. <laughs> right, are you done with your advertising pitch now? Well, no, that was me questioning it. I don't know how long <laughs> it will last, but... I don't know. Do it. It's cool. <laughs> Well, you can't cool. say that on a podcast. What are you doing? Shut out. <laughs> hey, I'm here to recommend anything that I find interesting. Yes, but this and is going to be about video games, really. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alright. Is that, is, that, is that the ghost Dan with, like, whispering in your ear? Topic. Well, context. <laughs> kind of important. Very vaguely to stay on topic, apart from when we go off topic. But when we're off topic, it's meant to be, you know, things that are funny. <laughs> Alright. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. Shall we move on to the traditional question, then? After I've had my <laughs> Even round. though you know for a fact that this is not going to go anywhere. Well, it's going to go somewhere, surely. It always goes somewhere. <laughs> well, it's going to go somewhere, just not where the question wants to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, what have you been playing this week, Zach? <laughs> or this two weeks? <coughs> yeah, it has been a long time again, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks. Damn you, Dan, come back. Get out of Scotland while you can. I'm sure I've seen him on MSN, just that he's always away. So he's Lurking. probably like on his phone or something. God knows. Did you get MSN on iPhone? <laughs> I wouldn't use it anyway. Maybe. I'm, not, I'm totally not interested, but... No. Well, we, we were asked that we asked that question the other day. Actually, we, we, we were surprised um, that, to our knowledge, um, no one has reverse engineered the Steam system 
So you could log in from a different device to get to your friends list and chat stuff. Hmm. That hasn't happened. So like Which a Steam app on iPhone. Really, to be honest. <laughs> well, I guess not. I suppose it's only designed really for gaming, but you never know. Oh, it, in a way, it could stop people from hacking your account, because if you're logged in <laughs> on your phone or whatever, no one could be using your system at home. <laughs> or, or, you know, that's, not exactly a, that's not exactly security, really. Well, no, but... <laughs> I don't know. It might be useful to like get in contact. You know, say for instance, you had a slightly busier life, and one of your competitive TF2 matches that you're probably about to tell us about um, come up, and um, you know, and you need a re- you're out and about, and you know, a reminder comes up in your Steam account saying, "Don't forget, we've got a match in like well, admittedly, I was about to say ten minutes, but it's probably <laughs> too late if you're not at your computer looking at Steam. Um, That's probably true. You know, Steam Steam could alert you to. Various things, or friends could find you saying, "Do you fancy game of Left 4 Dead?" No, I'm yes, in town having pizza, but I'll be like, on later. You use some other application on your phone to make a note. <laughs> you don't really need Steam to do everything uh, what, for you. You know, what if you, what if you haven't been told about? You know, because you find out about matches. Well, if you haven't been told that you're out somewhere, and then so, they're like, "Hey, there's a game," then maybe you're like, "Well, you should have told me earlier." Then, <laughs> then I wouldn't have been out. That's true. You know. But in this connected day and age, there should be a method. It's like adding a different messenger. I don't know, this is why I quite like the idea of Xbox Live on, on Windows Phone 7. Because you will have that connectivity. You'll be out and about and people on Live can message you. Even if and you don't you know who they really are. to message them back. It doesn't take that long. It'll be over if provided you have a data connection and can yeah, type on a typing keyboard. It. <laughs> it's not that bad. Seriously, the soft key, the soft keyboard on the iPhone is not that bad. The, the annoying thing about it is is is, is the auto correction more than anything. You'll try, try and type a word that is technically a word that you use in speech, but isn't in the phone's dictionary. This may so only be a problem for you. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. But it will correct it to something that is English. Not necessarily grammatically correct, but it will correct it to a proper English word. And it will do it automatically unless you look up at the correction as it appears and push the X button. Otherwise, you then have to erase it and type it again, and then it won't bother correcting it the second time. But <laughs> yes. that could be quite irritating. Can you just not turn the autocorrector off or something? You could. But it is useful. And then you it's, just spell well every as, other word wrong. It's one of those annoying things, you know, it's useful half the time. Because Can you not just add typing on the soft keyboard is okay, but occasionally you make mistakes. But I'm not entirely yeah, I don't know how it works. I don't know if you type a word that it doesn't know that it remembers it. I don't know if there's a system to expand the dictionary on iPhone. Hmm. I'd imagine knowing Apple, it's all under the hood and there is no option. But Yeah, probably. The way it works, sort of fuck it, basically. The Apple approach. <laughs> so anyway, yes, the original question. What have you been playing? Tell us, Yeah, okay, I brought it up. Tell us about your TF2 competitive lifestyle. Not that it's very competitive at the moment, of course. But it's just like, for that... ETF2L Highlander thing that basically Valve sort of advertised themselves on the wiki and the blog 
It's like, oh, there's this high landing competition coming on. You should join. And then millions of people joined it. And it was like, oh, shit, we've kind of overfilled all our slots. Now we're going to have to make it double the size. And that's still probably going to get full. <laughs> so it hasn't started yet. That will be starting sometime towards the didn't end they, of September. Yeah, I was about to say, didn't they put on the blog fairly recently, oh, it starts tonight or something. It's like, <laughs> hang on, wait, how? Or was that one of the, like, the games that actually featured like Valve stuff or something? Yeah, like? that, that was a weird weird game where it was like I don't know it sounded like they were having three teams basically and they were going to like switch yeah. out or something it was like a Valve team and then a community team and a competitive team <laughs> maybe they're inventing game modes with more than just red and blue <laughs> no I don't think so <laughs> <laughs> well I'm fairly sure I think I've maybe heard of like mods that have like more than two teams where it's like <laughs> green team woo <laughs> I was about to say, if they were going to be green, would they have to shorten it to three letters, like blue and red? Green. <laughs> it would be like Grim Team. <laughs> Are there any colours you could have that would actually fit into, like, three letters other than blue and red? Now we'll have a slight pause while we both think. Because you've got Grun, or Yellow, or Mural. Orange sort or of works. If you have, like... On. What would that yeah, yeah. Like, would be? O R G. So it'd be org or on. Or... I think on probably works. Or on. <laughs> or just R N G. Runge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sort of works as well. But the trouble is, it can't, you can't have it start with R because red already has R. Yeah, it's the runge T. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really think. Really. I suppose black just could just be BLK. Yeah. That, but that's not really a colour. And white could just be, like, W-Y-T. <laughs> W-Y-T? That sounds more like <laughs> White y. doesn't have the letter I, Y in it. <laughs> no, but it, it, it spells white. Purple might be a problem. That could be, like, PPL. People, oh. the people team, <laughs> people team, the People's Republic of Purple. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna work. No, probably not. I don't know. Do you reckon they could do that in future? Like add game modes that may involve more than two teams. Well, you have enough time trouble getting enough people for two teams. <laughs> not for Highlander, but you know what I mean. Just in yeah, well, like, I mean, it's like if it was a 16 but, on 16, that would make it 8 on 8 on 8 on 8. Yeah, I guess. You might need a full server for those to work. Or maybe it could be something the server picks up or something and goes, Oh, we've got a full, we've got a full selection. <laughs> we should switch to one of these. And then everyone leaves. <laughs> yeah. That keeps yeah, happening. Right. It's... It's rare that you get one of these multi-team games that actually seems to work in a fair manner, I guess. Well, that's the other problem, really, isn't it? Because it's like, if you have a four... Like, if you imagine, like, a four-way match where it's in a cross-shape or something, you're never going to equally split yourself between the two teams to each side, and then you're also never going to go across to the other team. So it's like, there's naturally going to be unfair, no matter how symmetrical you make the map. (laughs) Yeah, it's like I do remember playing, like, um, um multi-flag games in, in Halo 2, I think it was, um, where with, with four teams. 
So it was basically <laughs> kept a flag, but you had four teams in the same level. And, uh, yeah, that was pretty fucking difficult because obviously you could have more than at any one time. It could be a bit unfair because you could have multiple teams trying to cap your flag. So then you're going you're gonna to lose it and they're going to get points like willy nilly but it basically meant defense was pointless and it's just a speed run almost <laughs> yeah it was a bit weird it doesn't really work I suppose like team oddball in Halo kind of works okay with like four or, teams or, or like team rocket mongooses <laughs> <laughs> yeah teams of two <laughs> those are awesome Especially because he couldn't die, except through uh, flattering, I think. Yeah, that was that was a pretty hilarious game, though. We should. Have you heard there? Um, uh, we might have talked about this previously, actually. But I was about to say we should get you an Xbox Live account, so we can when 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 we do get Halo, we can get you to play properly, so we don't have to play on the unranked servers. Um, usually a laugh, anyway. But you know what I mean. Um. Uh, yeah, we're, 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 but I was going to suggest that, except for the fact that um, I don't know if I mentioned this in previous podcasts, but the Xbox Live price is set to increase. Yeah, those bastards. Don't know how much too, but I don't know why it needs to be raised, really, because it's not like they've got much competition from PlayStation Plus. <laughs> no. That does sound completely pointless at the moment. Because what does it do? It's like like Xbox Live Gold. It gives you cheaper deals on games, which is, it sounds a bit of a double-edged sword, really, isn't it, that one? Because it's like, oh, you can pay money. You get money off. Right. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> and, and, like, access to some things like the minis and game demos and the early content for free, but other than that, I really don't see the point in PlayStation Plus. Basically giving yeah. you stuff you really don't want. <laughs> at, least it's not, at least it's not making you pay for home, lol. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> that's giving you stuff you really don't want, and it's free. <laughs> that's still utterly pointless. It's a nice experiment, they just didn't really make enough of it, and the, the whole I, I instantly turned off it when I found out that all the content in the home actually has to be paid for with real money. <laughs> but the main problem with it is they based it on Second Life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which was popular at the time. Well, it's, it's gone out know, of favour at it's, the moment, hasn't it? Really, well, Second Life. It's not in the public eye so much. Well, yeah. It's not It's not in the public eye, but it's probably still popular, I'd say. On average. Maybe. It's not like businesses have quite the same sort of... <laughs> yeah, luckily they realised that was a really retarded idea. It's like, let's have a, have a corporate office in Second Life. That totally adds a point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I suppose maybe in the future it would have a relevance, but we're not there yet. The worlds just aren't complex or rich enough to support that kind of shitty socialness. Yes, which is why home failed. Because <laughs> they were like, we can make it you a, say it like... failed, but they're still supporting it. And stuff <laughs> still happens. They're fools. Yeah. <laughs> Weird, maybe it's bigger in like other countries or, than we expect, really. Or maybe it's somehow made Sony money. I don't know. 
Doesn't sound Maybe, very likely. Because they do get like in adverts and stuff in the hub worlds in home. There's so maybe they they make enough money out of those. I don't know. Either way, it got uninstalled from my PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was well, except for the the again. I think we've mentioned this before in a previous podcast, but I have to give them props for the being able to control the two parts of your body to dance differently. <laughs> that was pretty funny. I want to do one dance, but I want to put my arms doing another dance on top of the leg dance. Sweet. That was totally awesome. <laughs> this isn't like um, I forget who who worked on Second Life. Is it that company called Real Time? No, Real Time Worlds is something else, isn't it? Yeah. But they they were the guys that made APB and went under. I think there's some company that, that that's involved with Second Life that are trying to make another sort of um, social experiment sort of thing where it's like you build towns or something, but you try to make them like real ones or something. And the shot they always show is a recreation <laughs> you need like something of something slightly more organised than Second Life. Yeah, but the the screenshot they show is a recreation that someone's made of London, and. I need to find out more about that, but yeah, let's, let's not talk about that now, because that's kind of a bit... Because <laughs> apparently conjecture. we don't know anything about it again. It's, it's conjecture and weirdness. But... <laughs> it's always the best conversations where we don't know what the hell we're talking about. Yeah, pretty professional sounding. So Team Fortress competitiveness, make me shut up. <laughs> well, there's not, not much I can say about it, really, or not really much I want to say about it. Well, how does it work? How does it feel to be part right of a pro thing? team? You know... <sighs> Well, it's not exactly a pro team. Not really a pro team, but you know, a team in general. Because b- being like part of the heavies is one thing. You know, being a reg on that was probably the coolest thing that's happened to me in my gaming career. <laughs> but, um... well, it's just yeah, like it's not. It's the trouble is I can't. I it's like I don't want to say anything because then I might start dissing people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about organisation or anything. Well, yeah, as, as we mentioned earlier, the whole thing that d- did happen to you, didn't it? The whole uh, last-minute kind of notification thing. Yeah, I think we're still working through that as a as a sort of a team. Like, <laughs> we're we're having... working it. We're working it through. We're having meetings, and there's a <laughs> counsellor involved. We're, we're getting through this difficult phase. <laughs> well, yeah, this is like you know. We're sorting, we're like developing the methods, so it's like we always, we it's like our, our team leader guy was like making a forum post where he's like, this is what I must do next time, have someone on backup. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, see that, yes, I agree. See, uh, see, I wouldn't mind getting involved in a, in like a tourney and stuff, but as we sort of pointed out before, my, my life is considerably not available enough really to get involved, especially if it's like that last minute and stuff. Well, I was going to ask you, like, last night. Yeah, well, it was un- it was unfortunate. Oh, what, what, you needed me as a backup or something? Yeah, because it was, like, pretty much oh, the start I, of the game. I could have done it last night, I was on... just playing dirt. Well, I know, because like, I saw you, and I was like, oh, he's playing a game, maybe you can play, but then the guy turned up anyway, so we didn't. No, but you would have had to play demo, man. <laughs> no, that's, that's fair enough, I'm not a big demo fan. Yeah. I, I'm thought. trying to learn, but I'm still shit at it. Yes. 
I have I've been sort of spreading out into the other classes a bit more recently after my yeah, I was, I was spending a long time playing just sniper pretty much. Yeah, you're basically sniper and scout yeah, only. And I'm scouting the team. I haven't been I... even though I, that... it's like how does that work? Because surely in Highland, I've never actually played a Highlander game. Surely there's sort of the balance and the mechanic of the game is quite a lot different from a traditional match. Like, well, there must not... be a there must be a sort of different feel because you only know because you know there's only one person of each type and each person's well, role really surely becomes. from a normal game, really? like just on a random server. So it doesn't like emphasise the role, you know, Highlander as a game type. I mean, not necessarily the fact that it's in a tourney, but. You know, it doesn't like. Um, you don't get that feeling that your role is more important than it normally is because you're the only one. Or well, when because when if you compare it to like a normal random game on a random server, it's not much different from that. Apart from you know, it's got that sort of competitive game element where it's like the team is obviously slightly more organised. It's like stick together and all push at once, or hold back and defend while we build up an over or whatever. Mm. But apart from that, it doesn't really you know. You just like you're basically all sticking together a bit more than on a normal server. I don't think it emphasizes the roles that much, apart from you know a couple of them where it's like if 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 one of the snipers is pretty good, that can be fairly devastating. And if the spy gets backstabs in, hmm. that can be. How dangerous. does Highlander work in general? Is that kind of like Last Man Standing sort of thing? No, it's what just like you, a normal do, game. Do you you, you can only well, have one of each it? class. Ah, okay. I don't know, something about the name Highlander and the fact that they advertised it as there can be only one, you know, I kind of got the sort of... <laughs> yes, but that's the thing, there can be only one of each class. Yeah, of that class, but, you know, the whole Highlander reference seems to suggest that there's only one person physically left, not that there's one of... Yeah, you know what I mean? It's... Presumably that would be Highlander Arena, though. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Team Highlander Arena, yeah. Because be Arena weird. isn't team normally. Yeah, no. But the thing is, even from like me playing in this, in like this team or whatever, I being, being as I scout, it's like I really have the, the role that makes it even less like I have to do anything that's like a competitive match because my like my role is to just sort of run around, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. shoot people when I can, find out where people are. Like I'm not involved in the pushes or like not really very much involved on the defensive where they're like waiting to build up an Uber or anything. I'm just like so running does this, around. Does this mean it forces you because you're the scout? You have to be pretty damn vocal. Well, not that much. As in, only if I see something that's actually important. Here. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time, I I like. I'm just trying. It's like the things that I normally say on the voice will be stuff, normally it's the spy, where it's like, because I'm like, patrolling the back routes or whatever, trying to flag ground to see if I can pick someone off, and then I'll like meet their spy coming the other way to try and come up behind our guys. Does it play like the, the, the casual meet the spy music then? <laughs> no, not quite. But that's... But the trouble is, normally when when you meet the spy in that situation, you just end up either killing him or dying, because it's like you're you because you're when you're a scout like I am, where it's like obviously you're faster than him, so you can't really escape if he's not got cloak or if he's dead rigger or whatever. <laughs> so you're pretty much committed into just fighting him. Fair enough. 
but yeah, so the, that's one of the few things that I really have to say on voice. And then, like, is it, is it as I'm I just... imagine it in the, in the you know, because a lot of the videos you see online about TF seem to use the base weapon sets. I mean, presumably they haven't enforced that in this tourney, but do people tend to use the base weapons or do they use the unlocks fairly well, frequently? Is it like the pro tactic to not use unlocks or something? Well, the, most of, like, I'd say in most of the cases, like, most of the unlocks aren't so aren't so useful for sort of the team. Because it's like, when you only have one sniper, obviously you want, probably want him to be a rifle sniper so you can pick off the other sniper. Because <laughs> if one of them's a bow sniper, you're probably going to be fucked. So it kind of limits you to, like... You have to have the ability to... And it's like Demo Man, obviously you can't be without the sticky launcher because that's so useful for, like, holding choke points or whatever. So there's certain things that are pretty much guaranteed that you have to use that weapon. But then there's... It's like with me on Scouts, it's like... I can get away with using the Sandman if I want, because it's just like... Well, presumably stunning is actually quite useful because you could hold off part of someone's attack or... Well, yeah, it can be... Although, to be honest, it's, I think I, I've been fine. Sometimes it works really well, and sometimes it doesn't work at all. I think it just depends on, like, how people are playing. Because if they're, like, too compacted or whatever, you don't really get a chance. And it's not so useful because they, they're more aware you can't really sneak up or whatever. <coughs> you do tend to see spies. So far, from what I've seen, spies are the ones who definitely use the most of their unlocks because they can use like all three different cloaks depending on what they want to yeah, do. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Do, does the spy get an easier time then in Highlander because there's less members per team, I guess, and less pyros mainly? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the less pyros maybe makes it easier, but obviously it's like they can't fool you for very long with disguises or whatever because you should be able to tell. Oh, I guess I guess it's easier for them to yeah spot themselves. But more, if they probably happen more frequently. But if I mean if they get if they can uncloak quick enough, you know they're good for like picking someone off very instantly. It's like if they come suddenly by surprise, they can easily take you out without you being able to stop them and then disappear again if they're good. Oh yes, I see. Un- uncloak nearby. You mean dive in, yeah. get your stab, and then run out. Because obviously, with like, because you're trying to use the voice channels more, you're probably less able to hear uncloaking mm. to some extent. Medic targeting must be even more important in yeah. Highlander games. Always trying, trying to kill the medics. That's something that I. That's probably one of my other main jobs as a scout. Really, it's like if you can just like rush in and try and pick off their medics stealthily. <laughs> Sometimes it works depending on how where the team is. Yeah, if you can get behind the the medic and just unload a couple of scatter shots, you're sorted. Yeah, that works quite well sometimes. I noticed you've been using Force of Nature recently. <laughs> Not in the Highlander though. It's just like I've just started using that randomly on the on the regular servers because now I think it's like. I used to not really like it at all. I used it for long enough to like get the achievements or whatever, and then switch back to the regular one. Which I've done it, the same, yeah. Because it's like the two shots or whatever. Mm. But I, <laughs> for some reason, I just started using it again recently, and I've been doing pretty goddamn well with it. It's weird. It's kind you, of weird. You, you go through phases where you're good with one of the weapons, and then I find you switch to the other one, and then you're better at that for a bit. And then... <laughs> 
It's like it's weird. Like as you get used to a weapon, you sort of stagnate with it. <laughs> At the same time, you don't actually get that great with it. I find so. It's or maybe it's time for me to switch back to the scatter gun. Because uh, I, I be, you do you do have quite a lot of awesome moments with the um, sorry with the force of nature. I mean, not the scatter gun because you sort of because it fires so fast. Sometimes that's actually enough to kill someone quicker than if you had the scatter gun. And... Well, the thing I find with it is, like, maybe I think I maybe I'm only doing better with it because now I have a much better frame rate. <laughs> I can actually yeah, like aim the two shots you have slightly better. And 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 then obviously because if you're hitting people more with it, it does more damage per true shot. So providing you can get those two shots to connect, you can do more damage. Mm. Knockback isn't really that helpful. <laughs> no, it's not massively effective, is it? It, even it can be okay. It's like if you catch someone in a corner, where you can just like quickly shove them around the corner and then run back around the corner and reload casually. <laughs> yeah, but I don't I've been know. Speaking of knockback and stuff, I've been trying to do the pyro fire axe technique because I never oh, did get the hang like, of that. Chuck but... someone up against the wall and then fire axe. Yeah, quickly. I'm starting to get a bit better at noticing when it's a good moment to switch to the extinguisher. Yeah, starting starting to notice that, get the hang of it a bit because yeah, you you see it quite a lot. There are certain players that do it all the bloody time. <laughs> yeah, and it's really irritating because you can't help but wonder to yourself, how do they make it look so easy? Surely the knockback pushes them away far enough so then they can't axe them. I don't know. I don't get it. It's all about... At the the minute, the only time I can get it to work is if I shove them in corners. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's like, I keep... That is one of those things that's like, I've never learned to do it because I'm too obsessed with the flare gun. (laughs) It's because of my habit of only using the quick switch, where it's like, so I only ever actually use two weapons. It's not, I'm not too bad. I'm, I'm learning to actually because one, two, and three aren't actually that far away from your WSD layout. That to, to reach up and hit them isn't so bad. I just don't like moving my fingers like that. I need them on the movement buttons at all times. I still get freaking. Speaking of layouts like that, I still get freaking confused with Red Faction's fucking weapon layout. I still always end up finding myself pushing the wrong bloody number button. I don't know why that is. I just. <laughs> I like like I said, right. you just have to use two weapons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Use the quick switch again. Can never seem to get it right. But I was playing a bit more of that the other day. As I said, I've nearly finished all the stuff in Badlands now and been doing some of the stuff in Oasis at the same time. Right. So it's a bit of a bit of a weird sort of <laughs> Yeah, where you get there's like some missions lead you to Oasis now from Badlands and so you end up doing some stuff there and a <laughs> bit of a crossover. Um, going on, and uh, I think the next mission I have to do is the free fire zone that you were telling me about. Yeah, hey, get past the uh, the artillery. <laughs> That's um, a pretty funny mission. <laughs> awesome. But no, I there was some uh, uh, the bit I was going to mention is that there's some seriously nice lighting effects when you get to that part of the game, like the way the um um the sun sort of glares over hills and stuff, creating that re- that lovely volumed light. <laughs> Well, you mean you just haven't noticed it up to that point? Not well, yeah, probably. But you know how the sort of like you get that noticeable light glare where it looks like the mountains are cutting into it, and yeah, the sunbeams. It's yeah. like the DirectX 10 option. Where it's yeah. like, oh, the option only appears if you have DirectX 10, which it's really very nice. <laughs> it's really very nice that effect. But the rest of the lighting in the game is occasionally suspect. It looks a bit flat and dull, but that like that effect in particular is beautiful. Yeah. 
Beautiful. That was my noticing of lighting effects for the week. <laughs> Apart from, oh, I still look, I still played Dirt Two, and every time I every time I pick that up, I still can't help but think, God damn, this is a beautiful looking game. <laughs> I don't, I, yeah. I, I'm, I really struggle to think of something that comes close to just the fidelity and actual level of realism that it provides. Something quite incredible. And it's a year old now, so it's like, wow, it still looks excellent. Yeah. <laughs> the train agrees, obviously. I'm partially surprised no one's picked... Uh, uh, again, I think I've mentioned this before, but I'm still surprised that no one's really picked up Codemaster's Ego engine. Mm. Because, you know, and used it in their own projects. Because it's, it's, it got, you know, with Dirt 2, it got marketed as an engine that you can use, because, you know, they made a big deal. This is the Ego engine. Have it. Why give it a name if you're not going to license it out, you know? Um, so they made a bit of a deal of it. And as far as I'm aware, no one has used it yet. And I, find, I, I can't help think to myself, why? It's obviously amazing. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's obviously amazing, at, you know, in the end product, but maybe it's, like, hard to program for or something. Something maybe. we don't know about. Maybe. Still eminently impressive. Oh, and yeah, to answer a question we raised in an earlier podcast that I happen to be listening to today, um, <laughs> it was called Colin McRae Dirt 2 in Europe. Oh. Apparently, the full title is Colin McRae Dirt 2, or at least that's what they say in the game. Oh. Like, <laughs> the, the, it gets introduced as Colin McRae Dirt 2 by the voiceover people. But in text as well? Yeah, that's the bit I still can't remember. <laughs> I looking. <laughs> I just remember it getting introduced to me as it. Welcome to Colin McRae Dart 2. <laughs> right. Hey, I'm Mommy Armstrong. <laughs> Don't think he is. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. wonder what happened to that dude. Or whoever he was in the first. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I wonder who that dude was. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm Mommy Armstrong. <laughs> he was the. Boys over from Monster Truck Madness for those that don't know. Monster Truck Madness 2. No, was he in one? No, he was in one. He might have been in two as well, but yeah, they were fun. <laughs> they were terrible. <laughs> yeah. Good old early Microsoft. <laughs> really pushing the boundaries of the um standability. <laughs> But nothing compares in terms of skanky old racing games to like Big Red Racing, clearly. Oh my god, yeah. That was <laughs> totally skanky, but somehow totally hilarious. Yeah. It was like so weird. <laughs> it was like going through that phase where sort of crazy ass punk style was kind of cool. Like, <laughs> do you remember the PC version of like Road Rash? Yeah. That well, but that then again, that was, totally... kind of, that was kind of fitting for Red Rash. I guess, but it was a bit weird. It's just all the random sound effects in the menus and stuff, like random fart noises and well, a, well we've done that spits. <laughs> oh yeah, of course we've done it. But this was a commercial game that that's menu was like that. <laughs> so clicking things literally just went <laughs> and random noises each time and the occasional random bit of speech thrown in there as well which got very confusing if you were clicking a lot of things. 
Yeah. Like, often bits of out-of-context speech as well that had nothing to do with the rest of the game. Like, I feel like drinking a gallon of turpentine and pissing on a brush fire. <laughs> I, I remember that one because we were young and pissing was funny. <laughs> Man. It's like, what rating would that game have had? <laughs> <laughs> if anyone before, cared at the time I wonder if it actually ever got reviewed or noticed it's yeah, one of those games like, that sort of went under the radar of common knowledge isn't it a bit like Tank Ticks yeah but Tank Ticks was more like no one knows whether it actually got released or not because <laughs> <laughs> no, there was a demo and then it just kind of vanished yeah even though there were screenshots in the demo of the full product or levels that we've, no one has ever seen since yeah Man, this is reminiscing time that no one will know what the fuck we're talking about is half the problem with this. These are games that were were cool, but like bigger it seems like only tactics. We but yeah, <laughs> so the, the, to our knowledge, we're the only people that ever saw them. <laughs> yes. Pick up parts. Weird. So, Team Fortress Two competitive play not really that yeah. interesting what, yeah. what the hell were we actually talking about before this we'll, we'll find out later well since then according to my tag list we went from home second life red faction dirt monster truck madness big red racing blah wasn't home and second life before team fortress 2 it probably was before we started talking about it properly I think I mentioned it and then we went off on a tangent again and then <laughs> it came back yeah Oh, shit, we just reanalyzed our own podcast again. Yeah, we did again. We, we, we really need to stop doing that. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not the best. It's, it's like, it's quite a common thing, though, isn't it? It's stupid. We get in a conversation and you can't remember what it is that you've just done. And it well, happened to me the other day. And, well, it's not just common for us. It's common, I think it's just common for me in general, yeah. But um, it, um, uh, a mate of mine is very good at picking up these sorts of social and memory ticks and just general actions that you're involuntary sort of stupid things that you do and like we're we're walking back up to work after visiting the sandwich shop and there's a there's a code to get into the gate and um we walk up and we 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 type it in park through and stuff and then we start walking down to the thing and he's like did you just type the code in or did i and i'm like um you know what? I don't fucking know. <laughs> and I couldn't, for the life of me, remember whether or not I'd typed the code in or not. I had a memory of walking up to the code box with my hand up, but I couldn't remember if that was from today or from some point in the past, as I normally fucking do it. That may not be a, you know... I don't think that's necessarily an indication of a social something. Well, just like... Memory is not here for unimportant things. <laughs> well, exactly that. It's, that's that's the weird thing. You do so much automatically when you're talking and involved in a conversation that some things literally pass you by. And it's I, I found it really weird, you know, because that's not a super, you know, a crazy easy job, I suppose. That you know, you have to walk up to a box, you have to t- remember a code, you then have to t- make sure you type it in correctly and not mash the keypad with your palm now. And and then wait for the gate to open, and then go for it. You know, it's 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 all kind of a a, a slightly awkward experience. It's not like opening the car. Or... Well, except you've probably typed that code in so many times now, you probably can just do it by muscle memory. Yeah, true. 
you might be right on that. It's the same with my pin code. I can do that on muscle memory now. But <laughs> my pin code. My pin code just has an inconvenient pattern on the keypad, so it's incredibly easy to remember, even if I don't know what the actual numbers are. So <laughs> <laughs> like follow this line. Yeah. Sort of. Oh, hopefully that's not giving away too much of your pin code there, but. No, it, it's not. I specifically made sure to say something that wasn't exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for, for all you uh, thieves out there, his pin code is not in a line. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't narrow it down very much. No. Well, I'd, I'd imagine that well, I suppose there are still quite a few combinations. I was about to say, in terms of shape, you might be limited. But... <laughs> so that was another yeah. random off-topic thing we just talked about. Where did that come analyzing, from? From analyzing. talking about off-topic things. <laughs> that was great. That was like recursive. We went off-topic to talk about how we went off-topic. Uh, well, yeah. it's. Uh, I don't know. I find that stuff interesting. It's just like seconds ago. You know, have you ever had that thing where you've left the house and then you've got like two minutes down the road and you physically cannot remember whether or not you locked it or not? You sort of... You, you, you've done it and you find out when you get home that you've done it. But for the, the, a few sort of... And sometimes to the point where you've turned around and gone home just to check, and it's like because you actually can't bloody remember whether you've done it or not. <laughs> well, that's just like a classic, though, isn't it? Oh no, did I leave the oven on? Holy fuck! Yeah, but that's that's slightly rarer because you don't presumably you don't have the oven on all the time, and then every time you go out, <laughs> well, you, you turn it you on. never cook anything. We cook stuff. The, you take it. <laughs> don't cook. I made. Chips and chicken skewers from the freezer today. You forget most of the time to even turn the timer on to remind you when to come and take the things out. Right? Well, that's true. That's just. That's and just I know for a fact that you definitely left the oven on more than once when I was there. Yeah, but so did you. <laughs> yeah, so you know, it's not that uncommon. Okay, maybe. No, no that's, that's precisely my point. It happens, and it's weird and interesting. <laughs> sort of interesting. Shit memory. Alzheimer's. <laughs> Fun times. Well, oh, Leon okay. Parkinson's. Let's quickly sum up Team Fortress 2. If we can sum up what I just said, even though I didn't really save anything, I just waffled. Oh yeah, that was the other thing I was going to say about Team Fortress 2 before we went off on random other stuff. In the vein of going on to trying out different classes and stuff. Um, yeah, I, I've been trying out, like, Demo Man and Spy and really badly failing. Like, oh, I should probably try and maybe use the sword so I can get some of those achievements. But I can't fucking use the sword <laughs> at all. It's like, I've only managed to get one hit with it. Entire, like two or three well, rounds one, I was one, trying to use One it. actual connect, not just a, a kill. You mean you only managed to get it to... Well, I think maybe I connected twice in order to get that kill. <laughs> oh, okay. That makes more sense. But it was just like, oh, how, how do people do this? How do people get so many kills with this thing? And then yeah, you've only you... got the grenade launch to fall back on. Were you trying to combine that with the charging touch then? Well, yeah. Because, you know, it makes sense. It's not easy. It really isn't. That's... Even when you have, even when I have landed good hits on people, it usually doesn't seem enough to kill unless you've got a charged uh, run on them. Yeah, 
which is usually relatively easy to dodge if you've got enough range. Yeah, it's really awkward. <laughs> and then I... <laughs> oh, yeah, that was the thing I was... I told you this the other day, although I got it wrong, because I was telling you about how I looked at my stats from, like, playing different classes and stuff. Yes. I was looking at my kill to death from different classes. But as it turns out, I was wrong about which class I had the best kill to death ratio on, because I told you it was doing that, but it actually wasn't. <laughs> Because I, it's like, <laughs> it's like my demo man killed to death now is like not even above one. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but that's oh. not uncommon for me. I don't know why, how, again, that's another weird thing. It's like, I don't know, maybe it's just my playstyle, or maybe I'm more crap than I realise, but actually getting positive ratios is hard. <laughs> well, it's hard, but you know. But yeah, as it turns out, the, the class that I remembered that I told you was demo man but wasn't. That had like a ridiculous good death ratio was spy from my like gun spy. <laughs> I have like a free kill to death ratio on spy, which is way higher than all the other classes. Man, that's crazy. <laughs> Even though I don't practically ever cloak and I just try and pistol people all the time. <laughs> Wait, you mean that's higher than your sniper rate? Your yeah, sniper my sniper rate rate's is... only like one and a bit or something. Really? Huh. Actually, I'll probably go and check that. Okay, I thought your would have been ridiculous. It's like, it's like Scout is slightly better than one, which is pretty good for Scout. Probably. Well, right, yeah, for Scout, I guess. Let's see. I, could I, like, I, tend, I always tend to make, make, make most of my points in like the other areas of the game, like Epic Healery or crazy <laughs> fucking large amounts of assists. That seems to be where most of my game lies, is assists. Well, it's like in my role selection thing on the stats. I haven't ever played in the last 28 days. I haven't ever played medical heavy. <laughs> so I guess that tells you something to start with. Mm. But yeah, it's like... Oh, well, it's slightly better than I thought. My scout one is 1.31. Okay, that's not so bad. That's okay, good. and then my sniper is 1.83, so that is nearly two. Yeah, okay. No, that, that, that's definitely more, more like it. But, yeah, but then it's like... <laughs> like my spy one is 3.27! <laughs> Yes. It's like, Mine what? is definitely nowhere near that. I find it incredibly difficult to have anything. Like, well, the thing is, is I like, uh, I, I know what you mean. Using the normal revolver is far more effective than the ambassador in most circumstances. Well, except all those kills have pretty much been with the ambassador. <laughs> oh, because okay. that's all I do. It's like I'm I so know. bad at trying to cloak and be stealthy and uncloak in the right place and be disguised as people. I'm just running around gunning people and trying to get headshots. <laughs> I don't know, I can't fucking use the ambassador. I tend to do much better when I'm using the normal revolver. Yeah, I mean, I have when I have used the normal revolver just to pretty much be a gunspy again, you know, I have got... It is pretty goddamn effective, really. Yeah. It's accurate oh, and everything. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like the ambassador, you only really get one shot, and then if... Presumably by that point, you're probably fucking dead if you're in that scenario where you need to use it. <laughs> yeah, I very rarely, like... Empty an entire cliff. It's just like I take one shot, but normally I'm like <laughs> I'm practically at sniper distance or whatever. <laughs> so it's not like I have to fire again if I cog it up, or I can just like pop up the dead ringer and explode. <laughs> explode. But yeah, I've been, also the other class that I've been doing significantly better as lately has been engineer with, the, with my hilarious gunslinger pistol combo. <laughs> Like, don't ever that. use the shotgun. That you only need the pistol. Just, just watching you play it, I'm surprised. Just, 
I don't quite get how you get so many pistol kills. It's like unless you have an inordinate amount of luck to come across people that are quite heavily damaged by the time you pistol them. Well, I mean that's sort of the trick with the pistol is that you can actually hit people who are really far away. Yeah. Because it's like you just spew bullets at them, and then if one of them, it's like if they're if they're retreating and they've only got that, hardly any health left, you can easily pick them off. Although that's not necessarily. I think quite a lot of. Well, no, because I mean, I'm looking at the stats, and my kill to death on the engineer is like 1.9, so that's even higher than sniper. <laughs> Still on, good, and that's only on the H8 servers as well. Because uh, I was about to say maybe it was because I've played a couple of other servers where with crits on, and if you get a crit pistol clip, you just own the shit out of everything because a crit pistol bullet does 45 health. Wow. Okay, that's really effective. <laughs> And obviously, because crits don't get affected by range, so even if they're far away, it's still 45 health. Yeah, no, that's pretty amazing, actually. I didn't realise it was quite that bad. So, yeah. And uh, after I finally managed to get keybinding to work correctly once I learned what the scripting language was for it, after my initial attempts to put it on, like, the G keys on the side of my keyboard for all the various buildings, that didn't work so good. But then I remembered that I've got, like, two extra buttons on my mouse. It's like, ah, oh, of course! So it's on, like the side buttons on my mouse, the bottom one, which is easier to reach, is the build sentry, and then the top one is build dispenser. <laughs> See, that could be pretty damn useful, actually. I don't think I've used the extra buttons on my mouse for TF2. Yeah, I should probably maybe use them for some of the other classes as well. Because, <laughs> you know, having those extra buttons right within reach is pretty goddamn helpful. Mm. I mean, with the gunslinger engineer, I mean, luckily, well, not necessarily luckily for me as such, but unluckily for everyone else. <laughs> they've rem- they, on the H8 servers, they've removed, or well, probably in Half-Life stats in general, they've removed gaining points from destroying sentries. I think. Oh, what, entirely? So if you kill a sentry, Wait. you no longer get server points? I oh, know, you okay. still get... Other way, it's the other way around. You still get points for destroying the sentry, but you don't get any points from building a sentry any longer. Because you used to get no, points for building okay. them as well. Yeah. But now that makes sense for mini sentries. Well, that makes sense for mini sentries, but for big sentries, does that? Well, still I mean, really of course, sense, the but... stats don't delineate between them at the moment. Still, so I guess mm. they had to remove it if temporarily. I don't know. Maybe that's a bit harsh, but but yeah, that's the trick. The points would have made sense, I think, more than getting rid of it completely. I mean, that is the trick with gunslinger engineer, where it's just like. With the button on your mouse, on my mouse, which is just literally instantly switches you to build sentry. Don't ever bother, like, it's like if a spy saps it, don't even bother trying to unsap it, just wait for it to be destroyed and build a new one. (laughs) (laughs) If you're running away, it's like, if your sentry, if like they're coming around the corner and you've left a sentry, when as soon as your sentry goes down, just build another one as you're still running away. (laughs) It's just like drop them everywhere, it doesn't matter. Here's a question then. If you're doing these key binding scripts and stuff, or just in general actually, can you bind a command to multiple keys? Because the main options don't let you do that, do they? Um, For instance, if I wanted like the normal weapon shortcuts to be on 1, 2, 3 above my movement keys, but I also wanted the... Well, for instance, if I wanted spy, for instance, I wanted an, as well as the normal weapon selections, I wanted to assign a button on the mouse to um, switch to, like the knife, for instance, or the sapper. Probably the two most useful things you'll need to switch to quickly or out of. Um, 
then, you know, could I do that as well as the number keys? Hmm. I don't know, I think you might be able to, because you can do, like, aliases where instead of binding the key to binding the action directly to the key, you bind the action to the alias, and then the alias... Oh, the other way around. You bind the action to... You bind the alias to the key, and then the alias can call up whatever, you know. I think you can probably assign multiple things. Oh, I, see. So you, so you ma- I see. So you make an alias that does the action, basically. Yeah. So the alias is like a like the script, the function, um, yeah. so to speak. And then you bind keys to that function. Yeah, and I assume it works like that anyway. Do, and theoretically, you can do multiple keys to a function, is what you're saying. Yeah. I assume it works like that. I'm not actually entirely sure. Like I said, I had enough trouble just getting it to work with pushing this button causes this one thing to happen. Because <laughs> hmm. I do... The only real time I use the extra buttons on my mouse are... In Borderlands, I use it as melee attack. I mean, the where, extra, yeah. The, ex, the extra fun button. And in the, it's Left 4 Dead, like... I use that as my sniper rifle zoom. Yeah, because both of those is default on middle click... Where it's like pushed yeah, down the last wheel. Fucking middle. I hate middle click. <laughs> On those little Slightly scroll awkward. wheels. It's, it's, it's bloody irritating. Especially if you have next weapon or previous weapon set on the mouse wheel as well. Because well, it's so easy to accidentally just do that. Yeah, that's true, I guess. Not that I use the wheel really for TF. But... I don't, the trouble is, that I, sometimes I've been, when I've been playing Engineer, I get the feeling that I made... I may have done something still wrong with the scripting for like this building century and everything. Sometimes it's like I've got it set so you, it's like you push the button and it instantly switches to like build century, so it doesn't even go to the menu or anything. It just brings it up the century blueprint straight away. But right. sometimes it's like I push it, and then when you click click to build the century, instead it like pulls out the shotgun which is on slot one, and it's like it's like it's missing. It hasn't realised that it's got to the blueprint and it's like somehow sneakily brought up the weapon wheel or something. I don't know. It just sometimes it doesn't seem to actually work. And it's like press it again. <laughs> That's half the problem of the script thing, isn't it? There's always a sort of drawback to doing it most of the time. I get the feeling that might still be because I've because it's a really weird system for scripts in T Fortress where you if you put you make a file that's like auto auto exc yeah auto exec yeah. To, to to make to like make general key bindings, but then each class has its own key binding file. But the trouble is that it's it's the inversion of exclusivity, where instead of like you'd think that if you put the key bindings, if you say made some key bindings in the engineer file, that would only apply to engineer. But it's actually the inverse, where it's like if you key bind something in the engineer file, you also have to key bind in all the other classes to not be that. <laughs> Oh, right, I see. So if you change one, you need to make sure the others aren't yeah. affected. You know, you have to set the script so it does something else, because it will still apply to everyone if you don't. Yeah. It's, it's sort of a backward system, as far as I can yeah, tell. Yeah, that, that's shit, actually. <laughs> Seems kind of awkward. But, I mean, obviously, for me, since I only use it for this one thing at the moment, it's not a problem. Just put it in the AutoX. <laughs> so what happens if you bind, say one of these actions in one of the... That's an interesting thing, actually, because that really really begs questions as to how the fuck they've done this. Presumably, it means then if you use a class, it runs the class binding script. And um, 
assigns that button. So then if you use another class, you keep the last script that you used on that button. So yeah. say, for instance, you assigned two classes to have something that attached to this extra mouse button, for instance, and then went to, say, some other class that you hadn't assigned any class for, presumably the binding would remember the last class you used. Yeah, presumably. I guess that must be how it works. Cause it must, it must, when you change class, it must load that class's specific config file. And yeah. any that aren't in that file, it doesn't change. Yes, I guess. Which is okay, I suppose, if you're not using the button with other classes, because if you act, it's only bad, I suppose, if you have a button that you could accidentally press. And then something fucked up might happen, or a weird combination of events might occur. Well, yeah, it like would help if you had like your idea of like having your extra mouse button on Spire's switched knife, but then that would just switch to melee on any on any class you played after Spire. <laughs> well, actually, that that might be relatively useful. Depends. You know, an always switch to melee would be quite nice, or an always switch to, well, whatever the like secondary weapon normally is. Possibly. That could be quite useful. But anyway, yeah. But yeah, if I, if I could do multiple bindings, that would at least give me something I can use those buttons for. <laughs> yeah. It was like, I'm, I'm still... It's like, obviously I should use the mod spy to do something. Because <laughs> I never... Unless you like, could have... Switching weapons and stuff on to, is so difficult. I wonder if you could assign it to, like, to give it enough time to, like, one of these buttons so you could script quick, squi- quick switch, fire, and then quick switch back. Yeah, you can do that in theory. You, so can you, like, presumably time it so it quicks, the fire doesn't just happen immediately so when it doesn't have any effect? Yeah, assuming, I mean, there's the whole problem of, like, some servers don't allow the scripting wait command, but I'm not sure about what, you know, what percentage of servers or whatever. Because you have the wait, so you, like... yeah. Switch and then wait a certain time out time the time it takes you to pull out the gun. <laughs> Probably fair enough because it's kind of scummy, I guess. Some of those tactics are bad. I suppose it's that command that causes the annoying, like the things I don't agree with, like the sticky explosions and. Well, it's like some some of them are kind of. It's like there's the sort of general example on on the engineer page of like automatic building sort of where it's like. You have it set to an extra button or whatever. You press and hold that button, and then what it does is so when you press it down, it switches to the building, places the building, it switches to the wrench, and then continuously swings the wrench until you release the button, and then it switches back to your gun. Okay. So it's like automatic building until, and then, but then you can abort it at any time by releasing the button, and then it will switch you back to your normal weapons. Hmm. Interesting. That might be a little too excessive, really. I'm not sure I'd, I'm not <laughs> sure I'd want a script. I'm not sure I'd want a script that does all that for me. Well, I mean, it used to be sort of the classic way you could tell when someone was using an engineer script, where you like destroy their sentry, but then the engineer just sits there swinging at midair because their script hasn't turned yeah. off yet because yeah. <laughs> they haven't noticed or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Or the script went wrong, I guess, maybe. Possibly. Missed the release. (laughs) So, yeah, I guess that's Team Fortress. I don't know. I don't don't mind scripting to sort of help combos out or, you know, add 
<laughs> well, multiple bindings in our case, which seems to be all I need, but, you know, so, so yeah, this is a common, yeah, a recurring theme. I don't like scripting. Laugh. You just don't <laughs> want it for, like, complex manoeuvres. Yeah, I don't. I think it kind of takes away from from the intended point of the game, really, sometimes. Like, complex spy manoeuvres should be complex, because they're hard. <laughs> but the, well, yeah, I guess. But, I mean, you know, unless they I made would... it easier for everyone, then it's unfair. I just had so much trouble with Spy for, like, <laughs> just keeping track of... It's because when you're playing Spy, you really do need to use, like, three different weapons and, and the disguise kit constantly. Yeah. You can't not, you know, you can't just be like I normally do and quick switch between two of them, because then you're gimping yourself. Yeah. You need everything. Which is why it's like I should clearly script some of this to some extra buttons. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'd say for me, yeah, the quick, quick to sap and quick to knife would be nice. Not to the actual action, but just to bring it up would be fine. Yeah. Without affecting the other classes. <laughs> Larg. Well, anyway, yeah. Quite a you got anything else you've been doing? Or is it all Team <laughs> Fortressing? Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, I actually got round to installing Dwarf Fortress on this machine again at last. Does it run any faster? Well, I can't really tell yet because, you know, when you start the game, it still runs at maximum frame rate. It's only once you start getting bogged down in high population and, like, pathfinding <laughs> that it starts to suffer. So, so far it runs at 100%. <laughs> Haven't yet managed to make it go down, but then again, I only just started the fortress and I was like, oh, I can't possibly play this anymore. <laughs> Don't know what it is. I've not, I've not reached my dwarf fortressy phase where I get really into it for a while. I'd still be quite funny if, like, the, the entire purpose of the i7 chipset in all its glory is to play Dwarf Fortress. <laughs> but uh, as we may have discussed before, it's yeah, actually yeah, likely to make it run worse. <laughs> yeah. The whole single-threaded thing. Modern well, technology does, does not agree. I have watched, like, the CPU usage chart when I was running it, and it does seem to, like, not entirely run on one core. There are small bits of activity on the other cores that are not just my background activity. Well, yeah, if he's threaded anything at all, then the game will, uh, the Windows will step in and do some of that for you. So it's, like, slight bonus. Very, very slight. One of the concepts I need to look into at work, actually, coming up fairly soon, is how to thread what is essentially a single-threaded operation. So you can learn to do it before the door exactly. does. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be on that. Basically, I'm, I'm just taking a single-threaded operation and trying to make it run in multiple threads, and hopefully Windows will do the legwork for me and spread it out over multiple cores. <laughs> that would be useful. That's, that's the plan, anyway. And then yeah, apart from Dwarf Fortress, I can't think of anything else. Apart from maybe, <laughs> maybe just a tiny little bit slash a lot, because god damn it, this game just a small amount of robot unicorn attack. <laughs> Seriously, because <laughs> god damn it, that game. <laughs> like... Are there any robot? Are there any like Robo Draculas from the moon? <laughs> no, unfortunately. There may be robot dolphins, although it's hard to tell if they're robots, because you can't really look at them when you're concentrating on what you're doing. So, so when the fuck did Dwarf Fortress insert the idea of robots into its fantasy universe about elves? I was talking about Dwarf Fortress. Pay attention. Are we not? <laughs> this is a separate game. 
Oh, really? What was it now? What are we on? Yeah. What did I miss? Yeah, I was talking about Robot Unicorn Attack. Oh, what, Robot Unicorn Attack is a game? Yes. I and thought you were talking about Robot You should just Unicorn be glad Attacks. you didn't know about it, because... I thought you were talking about the Dwarf Fortress, god damn that game, could have Robot Unifor- called Uniform Attacks. <laughs> well, it could have Unicorn Attacks, just not Robot ones. Okay. Because actually right, Unicorn's then. quite dangerous in Dwarf Fortress. <laughs> Or have Later. been in previous versions, anyway. Yeah, it's because they can shoot magical shit from their horns. <laughs> I'm sure they will do when magic actually gets put into Dwarf Fortress, as is Rainbow. at some point. <laughs> and maybe they'll have royal rainbows. <laughs> Quite possibly. But yeah, you, you should just be glad you don't know what the fuck your robot unicorn attack is. Cause no, it's, I haven't got a fucking clue. It's the simplest game ever. With like, It only requires two buttons. But it's become like an internet meme in itself. <laughs> okay. What do you uh, do? I will say no more. And okay. you know, I'm sure it's like you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but it's like anyone who who might listen to this, who does know it, will be like, "Oh God, I can't believe he's admitted to playing that or whatever." <laughs> oh no! Yeah, speaking speaking of which, oh no, this is really bad. The way the way you just said "Oh God" and stuff it totally reminded me of losing the game. Game is irrelevant. That's old school internet now. It's like we're yeah, past maybe. that. The maybe. game was but... won when XKCD did that strip about it. Know your roots, man. I'm still not entirely convinced that that comic strip actually rules out the game, but you know. Semantics. <laughs> it's the internet. Semantics, bitches. Once you're in. You can never win. <laughs> Ryan said it must be true, as yeah. the old saying goes. It's not possible. How much time anyway. do we have left on this recording, anyway? Uh, if we need it, we've got a whole 18 minutes. Wow. Holy crap, we might finish sort of on schedule for two hours. Wait, we've talked for two hours? Damn, this is long. Yeah, we've done pretty good. <laughs> you know, I was a bit worried after our last performance. It's like, fuck it, let's cut it short at sixty minutes. And <laughs> yeah, I was imagining we were just going to really totally lose track of everything and talk some totally stupid shit. I gotta be honest, I'm not entirely convinced that our team fortress ramble will be that interesting to people. Oh, analysis, analysis, goddamn, stop. <laughs> <laughs> so, but we we analysed team fortress. But that's the trouble, you know. It's like, this is a game we play way too much, so we have tactics and shit. Yeah, and we actually talked seriously about it. Analysis, analysis, oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard. <laughs> just, wait, just leave this stuff to the off-air chat. Wait, that's analysis too. Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you can't win. Yeah. Just make plumbering noises until until for another eighteen minutes. Hey, <laughs> hey! I sound like the hat from or the the presenter from Mario Party Eight. Yeah, <laughs> not that. The not hat what? part of that guy. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm gonna go off on a bit of a rant here. Fuck Mario Party, right? It's one of those <laughs> really frustrating goddamn games where they seem to get so much right, and yet at a very critical level of the presentation, so much is wrong. Like the mini games, 
they're fine. The actual games you get to play are great, but the, just the, the irritation of the interface that you have to go through to get to the board game. And then when you're on the board game itself, you have to wait for animations that take fucking ages. <laughs> yeah, some of them are particularly bad. But it's like totally unnecessary, extremely it's long just, sequences. What You know, they've had eight iterations to get that right. And the earlier Mario parties are less irritating than the new ones. <laughs> Like it's in terms, it's in terms of the like speed a, and stuff, a sort of a casual game or whatever, you know, a party game. That's no excuse, game. even for normal <laughs> yeah, people that that gets annoying. It's like it's because it's meant to be a casual <laughs> game because we don't count as normal people. <laughs> no, evidently, like, because it's a casual game, it's meant to, you know, you you may suggest that you know maybe that's okay, but seriously, who would want to play that for like? Two hours or something? Because even on the shortest setting, it takes so goddamn long. Yeah. That is true. Well, you who say but the hardcore are going to play a full-length game have for that? done it quite a lot. But just think, if they took like all the presentation crap out of it, and so you didn't have to sit through like epic amounts of text, that all of which is shit, and the um, annoying animations, and the over... the really over sort of... It's it's almost overproduced, isn't it? In places, you know, just you know, oh wait for this. Oh look, they've made a fancy animation for that. Oh, that's great. Oh no, we're now <laughs> like those double dice blocks or whatever. Yeah, fuck's sake. That who is needs... the most unnecessarily complicated animation ever. Who needs like a Final Fantasy like GF sequence to play out just because you've got a second dice? That's one of the, you know, that that that's probably worse in the new games than the old games. <laughs> Maybe that's exactly. one of the things I guess it was like Mario Party 1 and 2 it didn't even bother did it? it just, the dice just sort of changed colour. <laughs> yeah basically. Um, it was it was completely unnecessary but everything does it doesn't it? From the candy animations making you all blobby and stuff and taking time and then you actually have to play your move and then generally as stuff happens involving the candy actions you then have to wait for that to play out every time. And, and then you un- <laughs> uncandyify at the end as well. Yeah, and it doesn't seem completely aware of the fact if you've done the action once before in a game. So if an event occurs, for instance, it still has to explain it every time rather than, oh, okay, here comes another one of those event thingies. But maybe that's also a sort of a, one of those casual party game things where it's like, maybe you weren't paying attention, maybe you need a recap. Oh, fucking crap, you can then ask one of the other players that was paying attention. <laughs> yeah, but you know how well that turns out. Getting someone else to explain you the mechanics of something, even if it's something really simple. I don't know. I can't help but think that if you sort of missed something like that, then it's your own downfall. And then it's kind of funny anyway for the rest of the game. It's like, what's going on? I have no fucking idea. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe that's one of those things they'll fix in like Wii Party when that comes out <laughs> because it's. Not I don't know Mario who's Party heading that. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know who's heading that, but they're basically taking the Mario Party concept and putting it into. Nintendo's new Wii design style with knees and things. Know what I mean? Yeah. So maybe the 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 new presentation approach will be slightly less irritating. <laughs> Although yeah, I was saying that the other day when when the Wii is on, it's like I still don't quite understand why Nintendo have to have every single screen needs music, and it's you can't turn it off. It gets really fucking irritating. Because it's sort does, of nice as the main menu screen have plinky. 
Yeah, it has that plinky plonky stuff. Mm. And then the shop has that shitty ring, you know, the classic. <laughs> For the love of God, let me turn that off. On the GameCube menu screen had its weird background noise. (laughs) Yeah, but you weren't really in the GameCube menu screen for as long. There was less purpose to it unless you were spending fucking ages sorting out your memory cards. And that was just sort of strangely music. cool, actually, in the way that when the cube rotated, it played a different like chord. Or... That was kind of cool. I like that. Nintendo I hope they get Wii Party right. Thing. I actually do hope they get Wii Party right, though. <laughs> because to, for, for for all the complaints we have about the Mario Party series and all of their well, essentially completely lethargic game design. They don't actually bother improving anything. They just sort of make it occasionally worse. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe this, uh, the fresh approach will, will breathe the life into it it so desperately needs. Well, as we've always, always said, the main problem with Mario Party is they keep not including every single mini game from the previous games. <laughs> yeah, yeah why, why is that? Why do they not do that? That's, that's just lazy. Especially in most of them where they didn't actually introduce any new mechanics to the game, so they could have just put them in again. Yeah, maybe take out the hand-burning ones, but... <laughs> well, well, yeah, the, the classic Mario Party 1 actually does damage to your palm games, but... Because they were fucking ridiculous. <laughs> but those easily could have just turned into button mashes, although I guess they pretty much did, because in Mario Party 2 they did have... It was pretty much all mashing, wasn't it? Any of yeah, those games but they, I mean, they weren't the exact same games, matches. but they were similar. Yeah. And they replaced like, that with in the Wii with, with, with wanking games. <laughs> <laughs> yes, unfortunately. <laughs> Although those are nowhere near as cool. It's they're, like, they're, wow, they're shake a can. Infinitely funnier, but... <laughs> Not nearly as cool as the hammer that button really hard to make a long Domino's line of... Fonts appear. Actually, yeah, that was pretty cool. I mean, admittedly, it's just a button, as you as you say, a button mash challenge. But something cool about the, the sort of uh, style. Well, of it, was, that one. it was the race aspect. It was because I mean, yeah. the original Mario Party One version was the destroy your hand to wind up the flying shite. I think oh, yeah, race yeah. along the track. It's like when it's that kind of race thing that looks cool, but this sort of just standing in the middle of the street shaking a can. That's not cool. <laughs> That's no good. It's like fake street smarts right there. <laughs> Don't stand in the, the thing, street shaking your cane, kids. It's not good. <laughs> well, that was the other weird thing as well, wasn't it? The, the, the presentation of Mario Party 8 was inconsistent enough to the point where all the menus ran at one frame rate, apart from a couple, and and the board ran at like a low frame rate of 30 frames per second, but all the minigames... Ran super slick 60. And it's... Why? <laughs> Seriously? What the fuck was that all about? Because they realised that you only need 60 frames when you're playing minigames, obviously. <laughs> I don't know, that is super lazy if you ask me. It's not like it's doing anything particularly intensive on the main board game. 
It's not like Metroid or whatever that manages to look amazing and run at 60. Well, I say amazing, but, you know... Good well, I mean, it's there. not like they're, they're not exactly using pre-rendered boards any longer, though, are they? Or not as, as much. Well, no, they are sort of properly rendered now rather than backgrounds. But, you know, it's still, I don't know, it's still not difficult. There's no excuse for it. It's shit. <laughs> Big disappointment. Oh, that I'm was still bitter. Then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not bitter. <laughs> You've only bought like none of them, and I ate one. Yeah, I bought, I bought one of them. You bought the rest. So, <laughs> wait, which one? That's what oh, yeah, friends I had are for. <laughs> I had for <laughs> Mario oh, no, wait. Party. Who who had one then? Oh no, that was that wasn't either, any of us. Barlow had that. Um, <laughs> and then Barlow. we just ended up with it somehow. Well, no, I, recently I acquired it through a friend who was going to chuck it. No, I don't mean now. I mean, back then we acquired it Yeah, back then, back then we just stole it off Barlow. <laughs> For a long, long time. Yeah, quite a long time, yeah. Yeah, and then I got two. One of the, like, two games I actually brought for the N64. <laughs> yeah. And then I got four. And then we realised that this was a bad idea, because obviously none of the other ones that were going to come out with GameCube were going to get any better, so we waited until the Wii. <laughs> yeah, I really don't know anything about 5, 6, or 7. I remember one of them introduced vocal control. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that was Nintendo trying to get some more use out of their stupid microphone. Yeah, the hey, only got used for that PT game. Yeah. <laughs> Hey you, Pikachu. That can't that can't have been a very long game because it would have been quite literally. Hey you, Pikachu. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was just like a virtual pet thing, so I'm sure it wasn't a very long game. God, what the fuck are you talking to me for? I'm a fucking Pikachu. Fuck off, <laughs> bitches. <laughs> Ghetto Pikachu. <laughs> oh, the new Pokemon God. game got like maximum score in some Japanese magazine. Which means it might be okay. <laughs> Will it have changed enough to hold my interest? My money's on no. Well, I know. I mean, the way people have been talking about it so far, they've suggested that it may well actually have changed enough. Mm. At, at the very least, every single Pokemon in it is different for the first playthrough. Which so is kind of interesting, to... I suppose. I mean, it, it means you can't rely on prior knowledge quite so much, which is good. Yeah, that may help. It'll keep it. It'll, it'll, it'll make uh, it, presumably it'll make it feel slightly fresher to experienced players. It won't make any fucking it, difference to me, but well, no. It just really depends on what they do with the mechanics. If they change that sufficiently enough, because you know the, the combat the system's whole... got to be a bit deeper than just oh, if you have these moves, you will win. Well, yeah, that's it's like that's where prior knowledge really comes into it, where it's like you know what is good against what. And what moves are probably good in that in that element or whatever? Yeah, it doesn't really matter what and the Pokemon looks like. Then you just <laughs> as long as you know the move set. And hopefully the sort of trial and error play, like the first time you play it, presumably you're not entirely sure whether to level up immediately or keep stuff down leveled for a certain period of time. Oh yeah, but that that's like and that's that when you start getting into more hardcore shit. Where it's like, I suppose, do you let this battle immediately active. or do you wait for it to get better moves sooner or whatever? As I say, the balancing act of good breeding is, is yeah, that's really very hardcore, isn't it, when you think about it? It's 
Well, it's, I mean, it's extremely hardcore once you get into all the ridiculous actual numbers behind that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Has so it, it may turn out it's black and white, so oh. they've run out of colours at this point, so I guess <laughs> this will be the last <laughs> one, clearly. But according to this like Japanese review or whatever, or presumably the translations of this Japanese review, that it's like this continent that this game takes place on is going to be because you know how in like all the other games, the they they happen on like little islands and they were sort of roughly vaguely meant to represent Japanese islands, you know? Sort of, yeah. Yeah. But then apparently this one, it's vague, they, this new place that it takes place is vaguely meant to sort of represent America. Gasp. So that like, other large continent that Pokemon seems to sell well in. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, obviously, considering that, you know, it was a Japanese review or whatever, so probably they got maybe excessively excited about that. But <laughs> it's something different, at least. We love you, America. Well, the Japanese hated everyone. <laughs> That's a random stereotype to come up with. Well, you know, I always just, you hear stories of them being kind of in a very uh, what's the word patriotic. I suppose it's not really the white word, is it? Really, think of the Japanese, I suppose. But you know, kind of very much strong believers in their own their own culture and stuff, and that you know, outside of the world. And... Yeah, not particularly. Uh, Thoroughly embrace, thorough embraces of other cultures, I suppose. But then, right? Well, yeah. As you probably go, technical issues totally fucked that up, and uh, we'll just again. Cut, uh, to be honest, Second time. yeah. It's it's not, not not going well for me. I don't know why. I don't know what happened there. It's just like the recording seemed to cut with a whole sixty seconds left on the clock. It just sort of decided, yeah, fuck it, I've had enough of this. <laughs> So, yes, um, this it, has been, it has indeed had enough of that. Yeah, so, yeah, to summarise, this has been the second uh, Salad Cast Minicast Tired Cast. <laughs> I, I've been Robert Kemp, and that's been Zachary Burgess. We won't be any more. Um, I don't know why they always say, it say like that, that did we? No, we didn't say who we were, but no one, so I'll do it at the end, that's why I'm doing it. Um, Good. And you know, I don't know why they say. No, this is probably going to start another conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's not. They, <laughs> yeah, they always say, they say, I've been such and such, that makes it sound like they're no longer going to be that person when the show ends. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm off to Deephole, and um, I'll see you next week, where we'll be uh, um, probably not doing a cast, because I'll be in Amsterdam <laughs> on, on business. Um, hopefully Dan will be with us shortly, though. He informs us that he is. Um, uh, yeah, so we'll, it'll be presented by Dan Train, Fernando Rodriguez, and... Uh, Seg, special <laughs> name. Thanks. Seg yours Brikofamu. The what? <laughs> Brikofamu. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So on that note, bye. Yes. <laughs>